Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. On the show today, we've got Brooks Childress and Cam Berry. As we're going to have a fun show this afternoon, we're going to start off kind of in the 3 o'clock hour. We're going to mention the news out of LSU uh, this, uh, this, this afternoon as uh, there was some Will Wade news or some LSU uh, vacating some victory news, that sort of thing. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the early part of the show. In the second part of the show, in hour number two and hour number three, heavy NBA today. There's not many days that we do this, but uh, we're going to do this today for sure because of the NBA draft coming up tonight. We had a big NFL draft-style show a couple months ago, so we're going to do that with the NBA. We're not going to go through a full mock draft, but what we are going to do is we're going to take some of the knowledge of other mock drafts, talk about what the best fit for some of these teams are, and interesting moves we could see be made in the NBA tonight. And also, there's been three significant trades over the last 72 hours or so to hit on a little bit. And we'll also give you we'll give you an Auburn angle too. We'll kind of give you uh, catching up to speed on the rookie years of Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Of course, the two Auburn guys drafted in the first round last year. We'll update you on again, kind of recap their first season, what we need to see from them going forward uh, in the NBA. Maybe we'll hit on some of the other Auburn guys too. So it'd be a basketball heavy show in the last couple hours of the program. We also want to hear from you on the Auburn Make phone line at three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Again, Ryan, Brooks, and Cam with me here this afternoon. Cam, we'll start with you. Good to see you for the first time this week. I hope you had a great birthday celebration this past weekend. I did. I had a great birthday. was up in South Carolina with the girlfriend and, and just enjoyed uh, just some some peace and just hanging out um, and, and just not, you know, just not stressing. Not worrying about I stuff. I was on yeah. a lake, and it was great, and just – uh, hung out birthday fell on father's day this year so uh, my dad and i kind of shared a day uh called him told him happy father's day he wished me happy birthday so um it was great and uh yeah and then uh, i mean a whole bunch of stuff going on you know in the week and the weekend college world series um is, is the final will be decided officially tonight uh we get to see a skeins versus louder matchup which will be really exciting uh two of the top pitchers um that will probably get drafted this year skeins uh likely to go number one so yeah, really excited about that. And then, yeah, NBA draft and, and a lot of trades that we got to talk about. And uh, just, just uh, you know, I'm excited to see what my Hawks are going to do. They've been really active with their trade talks to see uh, see if they're going to make any moves. Um, so, yeah, really excited, and I'm doing great. Glad to be here on the show on a Thursday. So I'll be uh, back-to-back this week. Yes, sir. Well, uh, 
We'll not treat you like the Spurs. You're not going to load management, <laughs> uh, load manage the seconds of this back to back. And then Brooks Childress also on the show today. Brooks, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, it is. It's a wonderful Thursday here in, in Auburn, Alabama. Um, yeah, it, we've got a great uh, pitching matchup tonight in the College World Series winner take all game uh, for LSU and Wake Forest. A lot of baseball news. The Braves, it, it could have been a, one of those days where we'd had two Braves games go on before we got back on the air after uh, the show yesterday. But last night's game got rained out, sc- uh, scheduled for a doubleheader later on in the season when the Braves take on the Phillies in September. And so it, uh, the Braves wrapping up a, a two-game stint now in the in Philadelphia with two-game sweep. So we we'll, can't wait to talk about all that, get ready for a weekend up in Cincinnati for Atlanta. And then, yeah, uh, a lot of different news going on around the sports world, NBA world, really cranking things up in the last 24 hours uh, as we head toward the uh, the draft tonight. Still, uh, you know, uh, Victor Wibanyama, still the, the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick, and, and I don't think that's changing anytime soon. The real fun is going to come when you hit that second pick. Who's going to go? Because it's been uh, – Brandon Miller has been the name that's been thrown out there a lot, and over the last uh, 24 hours, the last couple days – uh, Scoot Henderson's name, uh, former Auburn uh, target, Scoot Henderson has been a uh, has picked up uh, a lot of momentum at that second spot going to the Hornets. So we'll uh, we'll dive into all that and can't wait to talk to our callers as well in today's show. And we'll start today uh, with again the news from uh, Baton Rouge, but also from uh, Will Wade. I don't you know the exact city where McNeese State is located in. Is it McNeese? I want to say it's uh, Lake Charles. Lake Charles, something like that. It well, is Lake Charles, Louisiana. Lake Charles, nice. Uh, nice. So Will Wade gets hit with show cause two years, which is kind of weird because he's already a head coach, and usually right. show cause prevents you from being one, becoming one again for right. the next two years. So he's got a show cause, but he's also got a ten game suspension. This stems from the strong ass offer comment that uh, uh, he was caught on on video doing and uh, all that stuff at LSU a few years ago. Also, LSU's football and basketball program, as that was the school that he was at that time, placed on probation for, what, three years, I believe, for the next, three, the next three years. And then uh, LSU also, in kind of an unrelated deal, self-imposing, uh, but coming to light today, they're uh, giving up the 37 wins they had from 2012 to 2015, which I always... I always feel conflicted about this sort of thing. Yes, cheating is cheating and blah blah blah. But also it's like I'm not it's not going to make me think that LSU didn't have thirty seven wins from right. two thousand twelve to two thousand fifteen. Yeah, like yeah. those games still happened. Like Trey Matthews still flew over Leonard Fournette and yeah. may have been the original SpaceX launch, honestly, Jeremy at that point. Still threw the ball backwards. Right. Jeremy Johnson still had a, a ghost oh, fumble. My. So I like it just you know, those things still happened, but uh, what, if anything, do you make, guys, of, of all this from LSU, also from uh, Will Wade, and kind of the culmination of, of a cu- couple years' worth of investigating? Uh, well, the situation with Will Wade, uh, we knew that hammer was eventually going to come down at some point. You know, it is weird that the show cause thing kind of came as well with the 10-game suspension, so that's kind of a weird situation. Um, but... You know, at this point, it is what it is, and uh, LSU moved on from him and kind of, you know, wiped their hands of him. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, going to have to take some of these some of these uh, penalties that they've got. Um, but yeah, they just got to take it and and keep moving on after the at this point now. Yeah, I mean, I guess with the show cause, it's just like 
I, I guess it would be to prevent him from going to another job yeah, in the next few years. Like right. he's got to stay at McNeese. Yeah, McNeese right. made that bed. Then they lock in. He's got in. he's got to lay in it, I guess. Yeah. But uh, he'll be suspended the first ten games. Is this a big nothing burger to you, Brooks? At the end of the day, like would you, like if you if there was something harsher out there, like what could have been done? I don't know, but. Uh, Again, same question to you. Just what, if anything, do you make out of this? Uh, that the NCAA moves incredibly slow. Yes, um, that's what I make out of it. Slow. Correct. That it, it's so so slow that the you know the the sanctions coming to LSU basketball um, for Will Wade. Will Wade's already been fired, been off for a year, and taken a new job, and now he's getting penalized at his new job for what he's what he did at LSU. It's you know it's it's just the NCAA drags their feet and and it takes so long for for stuff to come down that you're you know it really when when you know it's like when you get the first uh, notice of allegations everyone's like oh ooh look at this they got notice of allegations two years down the line everyone's like they did what again oh right. yeah sure all right, right. cool whatever thirty seven wins all right they still won those football games uh, you know Will Wade still you know was was not fine whatever. It's just, it, it does it. It's not it, it's not a big nothing burger because obviously it's got repercussions on the schools that it, that that took part in the. Right, they got to walk a tightrope the, for the next few years. Yeah, yeah. They, they have to walk a tightrope. They it, it's they they have to you know really mind their p's and q's. But you know the it, it just takes so long to get to that point where everybody's just kind of all right whatever. It, it doesn't feel like it's it LSU has been you know the the recruiting the for LSU football those are under Les Miles. We've already been through two coaches right. since Les Miles. We're already yeah. on to the we, we've we, it was <laughs> coach three. It was Coach O, and then it's it's uh, Brian Kelly now. Yeah. So we're already past it, and so it, it's. You know, it, it at some reason, in some points, it doesn't feel fair to to the schools because, like, you know, it, it's it's Brian Kelly had nothing to do with this, no. and now his his program's getting penalized for it. But you can't really go penalize Les Miles' program because if Les Miles say he was still coaching at Kansas, Kansas didn't do anything wrong, and so you have to you have to penalize the school. But the current staff there didn't have anything to do with it, so it it's. It's a messy situation. The, it is kind of pointless the, the, when you think about it. The thing is, the NCAA just needs to get get the ball rolling quicker. If you've got the yeah. allegations there, if you know they've done, you know, they if you're willing to send them a notice of allegations, pick pick up the pace yeah. so that there, these these penalties actually have consequences for the people that took part in them instead of Will Wade did this a couple years ago. Now McNeese State is having to suffer for it because they hired him. They should have penalized Will Wade when he was at LSU, and then you could have, you know, had an actual impact here on people that it mattered. You know, I guess the angle was can they get any other schools involved in this? Can they get any other parties involved? That sort of thing. But, But as always, it's like at this point, what you're really penalizing is all the people that are there moving forward. Yeah. Now, the the probation stuff. Look, that that still by many is just viewed as a little slap on the wrist because you know there's no actual scholarships being vacated here. There's no oper- There's no lack of opportunity to compete in the postseason. That sort of thing. And so uh, you, you look at that, and pretty much it, it is basically the NCAA just saying, "All right, for three years, I need you to chill out." Okay, I need you to not do not. anything else sketchy. Yeah, not do anything else where we have to where you pop up on our radar, and that's really how the NCAA 
kind of operates anyway. Yeah. I mean, unless you're flaunting something, then they typically don't get involved. Yeah, unless it's real uh, bad. And, right. And so there's that. For the Will Wade aspect of it, you know, I don't know. Could, could they have made McNeese State suspend him for like a full year yeah. or two years? Right. Maybe. That's some, something you know? I was thinking. That could uh, instead of the two year show cause of him like not going somewhere else, could they just been like, no, you can't coach the program for two years? I don't know. That'd be that'd be that'd be extreme. See, gosh, that would be extreme. It, it, and then it's like McNeese State is like, well, well, why'd I even hire the guy? Right. Right. And, right. And. Uh, I don't know. But at that, the same time, it's kind of like if you're McNeese right. State, it's almost like, well, why, why did, did you, you hire, hire the guy? guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I get he's successful, but you also knew something was coming as well. Right, so right. That's fair. That that would be the only part I would I would question in that. It's like, I, I'm good with LSU just being on probation, I guess. But it's the Will Wade it's the Will Wade part of it. Well, like, I feel like something more significant could have been done there and maybe should have been done when it's that public. It's that, again, right. Not saying he's the only one that, that had a strong offer, somebody. Right. But he's the one to get caught and the one to be a little too uh, cavalier about it. And so, ultimately, 10-game suspension for Will Wade, two-year show cause, and then LSU football and basketball due to another issue, too, uh, placed on probation for three years. We're going to take our first timeout of this Thursday edition of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress on this sunny Thursday, which is a bit of an upset compared to the last last couple weeks around here. It is a bit of an upset. Uh, so I would not have put money on it. It's nice to see a mid-80s sunny day in June. True. Because th- those have not been growing on trees recently. No. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. one 9 tiger 9 to call into the Auburn Bank phone line. Today we go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that um, we're so far out um, with college football. And I was thinking, like, where do you see college football evolving into, like, uh, some new venues, actually, in the near future? Like, where do you see college football um, evolving to play in uh, other stadiums as well? Well, I know the Big 12 is working on some sort of deal to potentially play something in, in Mexico City. 
uh, at neutral site games, which would be kind of wild. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that, but there's talks of that. And then as far as just venues, I mean, the stadiums are kind of the stadiums, and I mean they'll they'll have different uh, rotations for the college football playoff uh, championship game and that sort of thing. But I mean, you know, no one's really building new stadiums right now, and and uh, the, the stadiums they already rotate to in the bowl games are, are still going to be the stadiums for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because I'm actually looking at like if college football uh, evolves in you know years past or in a few years from now. I'll probably see like a good, like a neutral site game in the near future, probably around like 2020, like 2030, 2031. I'll probably say with Auburn actually extending their, their playing uh, greatness, I'll probably see Auburn actually play like Villanova and they could actually have like a, uh, a historic game like out like in Jordan Hare Stadium, but they can actually play it like it was actually um they can actually play like Auburn can play Villanova and then they can actually show for halftime the history of Auburn playing their first time ever meeting up uh with Villanova in Havana, Cuba, actually. Yeah, that's uh, that. That is an idea. You know, I, I think that uh, in basketball that'd be more likely to happen because Villanova is a good basketball program. Auburn's had a good run of success here, and uh, Villanova is still FCS in football. And I don't know if that game would make a whole lot of sense. Eight years is a long time from now, but uh, I don't know if Villanova is on the on the short list of opponents for right now. Yeah, because I mean, when uh, when I actually saw. Uh, the history of this game, I was thinking, because it's actually, uh, it's actually a, a news article clipping of that actual game, and then right next to the news article clipping of that game, that has a, um, I think it's like a, a plate that they actually won that Auburn actually won, um, and I think that game was called the Broccoli Bowl for a reason. I think it was uh, actually the Bacardi Bowl. Um. Yes, yes, it was the it was the Bacardi Bowl. My mistake, my mistake. I, yes, it was called the Bacardi Bowl for a reason because um, it was actually played in Havana, Cuba, during that time during that year that uh, Auburn and Villanova actually had to stop the game because that was during the I think that was during like the Cuban Missile Crisis, if I'm correct. Uh, I, I think it was actually just the Cuban Revolution. Yeah, so they actually had to stop that game uh, due to the uh, Cuban Revolution that was actually going on 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 the outside of um, of the stadium that they had there in uh, Havana, Cuba, as well. Yeah, James. Well, what else is on your mind today? Well, with the NBA draft right around tonight, I'm actually uh, I've actually looked at who's gonna who's gonna be picked overall first round. I think it'll be um I think it'll be Victor in Viniana. He he looks like a great guy, seven foot. Uh, I think he's gonna I, I see some great things coming out of him as well. Yeah, a lot of people uh really love Victor Wimbenyama and and I, I think that uh it's been pretty clear throughout the whole process how uh big of a prospect he is, how high the expectations will be San Antonio 
was thrilled to win the lottery, even more so than the normal team to win the lottery. So he's definitely going number one overall tonight, and then all eyes will be on him for a very long time. Yes, that's well. And then I was looking at the mock draft, and I was saying in the NBA mock draft, they're just dropping uh, Brandon Miller all the way down. They had him at two, and then they dropped him down uh, to three. So, I mean, I don't know where they're going to actually drop him down, you know, further in the list. So, I mean, these are mock drafts. So, I think mock drafts do count in in the NBA. So, I think three would be where where they need to, like, leave Brandon Miller at right now. Yeah, it's uh, it number three is a real possibility for sure. There, it still could be number two, but uh, we will get into it a little bit on two versus three. But I, I certainly think he'll go uh, no no worse than number three. Yes, as well. And then with the College uh, World Series playoff, uh, well, with the College World Series baseball game that's going to be at uh, at seven o'clock, I have Wake Forest actually beating LSU and uh, seeing who they're actually going to play on Sunday as well. So I'm just trying to see if uh, Wake Forest would play uh, Florida or Tennessee. Yeah, so uh, Florida already advanced. So Florida is waiting on the winner of LSU and and Wake Forest. So uh, winner tonight will end up playing Florida in a best two out of three. So I'll I'll probably uh, ride on the bandwagon with uh, Wake Forest and seeing if they're going to knock off LSU and uh, and seeing a great matchup between Florida and Wake Forest as well. Yeah, I think either way we're going to have a, a great matchup. LSU obviously incredibly talented, got the win last night. They've got the projected number one overall pick in the MLB draft pitching tonight. And then for Wake Forest, they've been number one the last few weeks of the year, and, and they've they've done some incredible things in the in the tournament. So it's going to be a great matchup. Yes, as well. And then I'm going to be watching uh, this weekend. I'm going to be watching the biggest race in uh, in the NASCAR schedule from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And I've already uh, picked out my drivers for uh, this coming up weekend and uh, seeing who's actually going to make it to the playoffs as well. Is uh, is Ryan Priest one of your drivers? Uh, yes, I actually did put him in at a late pick. Um, and so I think I put him at number four or five. I think I put him at five as well. Did you put him on because you heard him uh, on sports call? Yes, I did. And um, I, I think if if Ryan Priest gets um, if he actually gets the checkered flag this weekend, I know that's going to be a really great thing for me to actually put him on because I know he's a really uh, you know he's a really good guy. I seen him in the truck series so i think this is going to be his first time ever being in the in the cup series as well uh you know racing in in nascar so this will be like his first time ever doing this as well yeah well not quite because he had he'd raced a few years at jtg doherty in the uh 36 car uh for a few years there like 19 or 2019 2020 2021 that kind of area but uh but yeah this is his first year with Stuart haas racing and uh it was really good to chat with him earlier this week yes as well and uh i see great things coming out of nascar um i'm actually waiting for the nascar hall of fame enshrinement ceremony and seeing who's actually going to get their names being called uh to charlotte north carolina as well 
Yeah, can't uh, can't wait for that one too. Any final thoughts for us today, James? Um, the only final thoughts I actually have is I'm just going to say because I know this is NBA weekend, so I want to wish all the guys out there that are uh, getting drafted tonight just uh, you know stay focused and um, just be yourself. Great words right there, James. All right, sounds good, and talk to y'all guys on Friday. War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, another trip to the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, birthdays and sports. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here. Before we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, we're going to do a segment we do each and every day. It's time for the birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports today, and fitting that on a big NBA day, we have a big NBA birthday. Clyde the Glide Drexler turned 61 yeah. today. Former NBA Ford, Drexler was born in New Orleans and grew up in Houston. Played basketball and baseball in high school and played college basketball at Houston. The Cougs! As part of the famed Phi Slamma Jamma. He made two Final Fours with the Cougars. Two-time All-American, one-time SWC Player of the Year. His number 22 is retired by Houston in 1983. He was taken 14th overall by the Trailblazers and played 15 years in the NBA for the Trailblazers and Rockets. Ten-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA selection, and one-time champion. His number 22 is retired by both the Trailblazers and the Rockets, and he's a member of both the College and Pro Hall of Fame. Clyde Drexler turned 61 today. Randy Couture turned 60 today, former UFC heavyweight. Couture was born in Washington, where he was the state wrestling champion as a senior in high school. He then served in the U.S. Army, where he continued to wrestle and joined Oklahoma State's wrestling team following his discharge. Go Cowboys! Three-time All-American, two-time NCAA runner-up. After college, he joined the UFC in 1997, eventually winning the heavyweight and light heavyweight belt multiple times with several title defenses. He's a member of the UFC Hall of Fame. Randy Couture turns 60 today. The guy I would not want to run into in a dark alley. Amen. Kurt Warner turns 52, former NFL quarterback. Warner was born in Iowa and played college football at Northern Iowa. Go Panthers! Where he did not start until his senior year. As a senior, he led the Panthers to an 8-4 record, was named Gateway Conference Player of the Year. Very coveted award. He went undrafted in 1994 <laughs> and was eventually cut by the Packers before the season started. He played five seasons in arena football before getting another chance in the NFL with the Rams. He played 12 seasons in the NFL after that point. Four-time Pro Bowler. Two-time All-Pro, two-time MVP, one-time Super Bowl champion, and one-time Super Bowl MVP with the greatest show on turf. Kurt Warner turns 52 today. 
And Champ Bailey turns 45, former NFL corner. Bailey was born in Kentucky and moved to Georgia at a young age. He played football and basketball and ran track in high school. Played college football at Georgia. Eh. Playing snaps on offense, defense, and special teams. He also ran track in college, setting a few school records. One-time All-American winner in the Nagurski Trophy in 1998. In 99, he was drafted 7th overall by the Washington Redskins, beginning a 15-year NFL career. He was a 12-time Pro Bowler and 7-time All-Pro member of the college and pro football hall of fames he holds the nfl record for most career passes defensed with 203 chant bailey turns 45 today and those are the birthdays in sports again clyde drexler 61 randy couture 60 kurt warren 52 and chant bailey 45 and that is a pretty darn good list it is uh in the sports world right there those are birthdays in sports for today 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. And join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line now. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Hey, it's good to be back on the show again. Good to hear your voices, guys. How's your day been going? Uh, It's been very uh, very chaotic with some NBA news today, (laughs) but uh, having a good time. Yeah, I saw a bunch of trades going on. Uh, Apparently they went past midnight uh, early this morning. Yeah, there was yeah. one trade that had a deadline because of the uh, player opt-in option, and, and so there was a, a late-night trade last night. It's been a trade day. It's been very busy. Yeah, it almost reminds me of a song uh, from the Rolling Stones uh, that came out. It was called Undercover of the Night. Yes, yes. So, But there was nothing shady about this, right? No, no, there was not. Okay, all right. Let's see, let's see how they do these things uh, so late at night and, and early in the morning. All right, uh, moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, not the sales you think of of what you know really rubs it doesn't even have except that one good thing from it we are now undefeated in 2013 right yes in the uh, in the regular season yeah. technically yep how about that yeah um, I mean again I still know that the game happened but but yes in the in the record books technically it it changed so how did the NCAA come to the decision that somehow it really really made they're giving them a strong message, you know. Y'all better not do this again. How's it? How's that? Really think that they, they that that's really a penalty? That's really you know just uh, man, it hurts them badly. Yeah, I mean, with uh, in, in reference to the uh, the player that was ineligible, right? I mean, you can't do anything else with the past stuff, and I mean, other than vacate what they did. I mean, th- there would be. No other penalty, and then you you do put them on probation to kind of warn the next generation, the next wave of of coaches and players, basically. But uh, I, I'm still not sure that they should have made vastly dip, you know brutal penalties for people that had nothing to do with what went on, and and none of the people that were there at that time are there now. Okay, uh, and that has merit. Here's what I would do if I, you know, sort of like Steve Martin said, you know, if I were, you know. Uh, if I were on the board of the NCAA, I would have done this. I said, you're going to be fined, the university, because the university is, is still there. Right. You Not could have done that. Players. Yeah. Yeah, and find them significantly. And I would take away scholarships from their program for that uh, crap they did. Uh, how about that, guys? did not that give them a message? I mean, again? Yeah, I mean, the fine is, is would be okay with me, but the scholarship, too, starts to impact, again, people that – uh, did not uh, do anything wrong at this time, and they could have. I mean that that has been a penalty wagered before, 
Um, but again, that would be kind of penalizing the the staff and, and players and, and all that, that that had absolutely nothing to do with that. So that's why the probation tool is on there because then if they do something else out of the boundary of the rules, that's when they come really hard and that's when you get in all the trouble you can get into because it shows a pattern at the institution, not just one group of people. Okay. Well, uh, I think eventually I may not be around on see, but I think the NCAA uh, is going to be a dodo. Yeah, I mean a lot. I mean a lot of people definitely. I mean the NCAA. No one's ever happy with the with the NCAA. I mean there's <laughs> there's very Ooh. few things that people like about the NCAA. And I mean, it's pretty obvious they're very selective. I think they are. I've, I've, I've seen, you know, numerous instances, uh, examples of them being selective at who they penalize and who they punish. You know, the joke used to be, if you do something that you know, somehow uh, brings notoriety in a bad way to Alabama, then who do they punish? Not Alabama, but Auburn, Ole Miss, whoever, you know, uh, the most convenient, you know, uh, victim uh, might be, right? That's usually been the joke. If Alabama does something wrong, uh, they don't usually get uh, the harsh penalties. Uh, they're, they're opposed, their opponents they usually get slammed. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. How about this from ESPN? The PGA Tour and Live have been invited by, uh, by Senate uh, to attend a hearing in July. Have you seen that? That article by Mark Schwabach? Uh, I have not. Yeah. Well, apparently... The U.S. Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations has invited the PGA Tour Commissioner uh, Monahan, Live Golf League CEO Commissioner Greg Norman, and Yasser Al-Rubiyan, the governor of Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, to testify at a July 11th hearing regarding the entity's planned alliance in men's professional golf. And they sent a letter uh, yesterday, in fact, because they said our goal in the letter is to uncover the facts about what went into the PGA Tour's deal with the Saudi Public Investment Fund and what the Saudi takeover means for the future of this cherished American institution and our national interest. So, um, and then on top of that, it says here, the June 6th announcement of a stunning deal also led and has led to investigations now by the U.S. Department of Justice, Antitrust Division, and the Senate Finance Committee. Guys, what, what do you make of this? And uh, I absolutely don't know what may or may not transpire. Uh, have you heard anything about the board? Have they uh, come to a vote yet on this, or are they still sifting through all the uh, contract and legalese? They haven't come to a vote that I'm aware of. Um, I mean, when it was mentioned the last the last week or two that, that the committee would be taking a look at this, then this is the, the next natural step to that. So as you just alluded to, do I know what they will find? Absolutely not, but... It's obviously raised enough red flags to make sure you you know exactly the motivation behind this and and know every single thing about it. And you know, there's some that said that that Monahan was too public in some of it, some of his defense of it, and it maybe said some things he shouldn't. But also at the same time, it was such a mind blowing um, deal that it almost constituted that he be a little more forthc- forthcoming because. You needed a good explanation for this, and and that might be used against him. Even still, he didn't give an incredible explanation. I mean, still, it's just a a, uh, a very surprising thing overall. But 
I, you know, I, I think that part of what he said sparked more of the, well, we need the, we need to deep dive on this. And, and I'm not opposed to them deep diving on this. I mean, this is still a very confusing thing. Uh, there have been obviously reasons laid out to try and make it less confusing, but, uh, I still don't maybe agree with everything that the PGA tour feels they got out of this. And, uh, I'll be interested to see what the what the committees find, but I, I don't have a, a great prediction for what will happen. Yeah, I don't either, except I did read that apparently some uh, legal minds uh, commented that, uh, yes, yeah, some of Monahan's, uh, is it Monahan's that's name? Yes. Oh, Monahan, uh comments uh, don't bode well for, for their legal uh, position about this merger because uh, it, it pretty much he said, it, you know, we... We want to do away with the competition, and so this is our best way uh, to stop it and stop the lawsuits. And they said that's not uh, in their favor, and also smacks up uh, an antitrust uh, kind of behavior. But anyway, we'll see what happens. At least by July 11th, uh, we'll see what comes of that. All right, real quick, guys, with the NBA coming up, I ran across a really interesting article I'd recommend uh, anybody to read. It's on a, a website called theconversation.com, and they use uh, uh, essays, uh, articles, and columns that are made by experts in the field uh, from universities uh, to institutions that are experts in that particular area. Uh, and this column uh, was written by a Rob Book, who is an associate professor of cultural sports psychology at the University of Southern Denmark. The, the title, though, is really interesting. I read it. Uh, it's called For Some. The NBA draftees who overcame adversity, making the transition to fame and fortune, is no slam dunk. And uh, the researcher, uh, he went and interviewed uh, numerous NBA players, uh, NBA coaches, uh, NBA union representatives uh, about this article. It was really worth reading, uh, but he puts uh, to rest some myths, uh, like that many or a majority of NBA uh, players uh, come from poverty-stricken environments. He said the actually the facts were quite just the opposite. Most of them come from rather uh, middle-income uh, class uh, environments. But then he talks about how poverty uh, presents a lot of uh, unfortunate uh, issues uh, for a lot of uh, new uh, inductees into the NBA. He talks about what those factors are, uh, poverty being one of them, other words being uh, socioeconomic uh, issues. And then he went and talked about NBA uh, uh, players, uh, people who've been there quite a while, uh, veterans, and NBA union representatives, and uh, talked about um, what is it that, you know, are pitfalls for NBA uh, uh, people that are new to the NBA, uh, freshly coming in, those who just been, you know, inducted to the NBA. And um, they said that even though the NBA has – a four-day training program, they found out that was really not sufficient. In fact, uh, they said that's really just a minimum. Uh, he said they need to, um, some of you representatives that they talked to, said they need to go, go ahead and have mentors, follow uh, the, the new inductions to the NBA, uh, uh, the new recruits, to, for at least for a year, uh, so they avoid pitfalls that they themselves, unfortunately, said that they got into, uh, like gambling, uh, like uh, drugs and many of them said still hang around unfortunately like he did uh one nba player said uh with their old friends they said they can't keep doing that 
because it gets into more hot water. Uh, and they have to make uh, newer friends and friends that are not the ones that they grew up with. He said there's a lot of allegiance and loyalty, he said, to new NBA uh, players, to their community, and to the players, uh, to the community, uh, to the uh, friends that they grew up with, which he said is not, uh, it doesn't bode well for them. Uh, he mentioned one NBA player who was out partying with some friends, and a person accidentally stepped on their shoes, and he went to a tirade over it because he's, he realized later on there was no reaction because in his neighborhood, if you didn't react violently, then you'd be seen as weak. And then he had to learn, I can't do this in this new environment. Uh, so he talks about that as well and how they freely give out all their newfound money uh, to people who are maybe in the criminal you know, environment. Um, so anyway, it's a really good read. I don't do justice to the article. I just want to bring that up and just read you know, what it's like, how difficult it really is for many of these uh, new people who are drafted by the NBA uh, to go. It's like a, a, a strange new world for them that they're uh, not really actually prepared or trained for. All right. I think I wore myself out with that. Yeah, it sounds like so, a good article, Steve. Uh, it, it really is. Uh, and again, it's on a website called theconversation.com. Cool. And this is uh, research after several years uh, by this uh, sports psychologist uh, from the University of Southern Denmark. Didn't even know they existed. All right, with that said, guys, uh, Wake Forest. Oh, I thought they were going to do it last night, but that three-run homer killed them. Yeah, I mean, LSU's good, too. I mean, <laughs> that's why they're here. I know that's oversimplifying it, but uh, LSU, LSU coming in the year would have been definitely labeled as the team with the most talent in the country, so... This is a, a great matchup. Well, I thought that LSU was going to run out of pitchers. Uh, they exhausted, but I guess they haven't, right? No, and I think uh, – I can't remember if it was Tom or, or Brant that mentioned it yesterday, but just – or maybe it was Brooks on Tuesday. I don't even know. But somebody on this show mentioned you get a day in between these games, except for right here at the end, and that really can help the bullpen kind of boot back up a little bit and to where you're playing – Two out of three game, two out of three days, or three out of five, and once you start stretching it out like that, that makes it a little bit more palatable for uh, these bullpens to get through all this. And also, you consider, well, heck, you know, LSU's going to get to start Skeens again tonight, who started the College World Series on the mound, and he's awesome. So it, it plays out over a longer period of time than a conference tournament does. So, if you have no the answers, I'm looking forward to it. I'll maybe research later. But do you know how rare it is, or it isn't for a team to have to win twice to make it to the uh, World Series. Oh, I mean, you know, that scenario happens every year, winning both games. I don't know how many uh, times that happens. I, I don't think it's a whole. I don't think it's a huge amount, but I also don't think it's a minuscule minuscule amount. I mean, it seems it seems doable. These teams are great, but to win two straight baseball games, it's not the most difficult thing I've ever heard of. So. Uh, because you get the extra days off, it becomes more doable to me in, in, in the in the conference tournament since you're playing a game every single day and sometimes two times uh, in a day or at least in the regional that can happen. You know, that that is different, but uh, I, I think that uh, I'm sure it's happened a decent amount. So let me ask you for consistency. I can. Uh, you know, guys, I'm still putting for Wake Forest. Uh, who, do you, who do you think tonight's? Uh, win favors. Well, I think with Skeens on the mound, I'd have to favor LSU now. I would have favored Wake Forest for sure yesterday, 
and they were not able to get that one. Skeens is tough. I mean, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. So we already know LSU can hit. They've got right. some great guys. Tommy White, I was seeing this last night. I think he's got 98 RBIs on the year. They played 60-some games. If you played 162 Major League season, he would he would ha- he would would be on pace to break the record for most RBIs. He's, he'd have over 200 RBIs. So uh, they've got the bats, but now they've got their ace tonight, and that's going to be a very difficult challenge. So when we won to when we won the series from all, off from LSU, did we beat Skeen? Was he pitching then? Yeah, no, yeah, we did yeah. not pe- beat Skeens. Yeah, we no, lost that no, game. he 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 was the first game yeah. of that one. Yeah, that was the okay. one they lost. All right, so he's not that uh, unbeatable then. Okay. Well, no, I mean Auburn no, lost Auburn that game. Lost no, that Auburn game. lost that game. Yeah, LSU won the game he pitched oh, against Auburn. That? Yes, so, so he did lose to him. Yes. Okay. All right. Well. I'll be looking forward to watching the game, see how the turnout is. So, guys, thank you again for your Let Me Ramble. And uh, with that said, have a sick afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll do this again uh, tomorrow. War Eagle, Steve. War Eagle, guys. Sounds, sounds good. War Eagle. Appreciate your phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're down to about one minute left here in the first hour. Coming up in hour number two, an NBA smorgasbord. Woo. We're going to have – Thoughts on the Auburn rookies oops, from this past oops. season? Some Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. We're going to preview the NBA draft as the whole show happens tonight. So, again, similar to what we did back in the spring with the NFL draft, not doing a full mock draft, but kind of going through some of the consensus picks, some of the interesting storylines in the draft, and then also a little bit on some of these trades that have happened to again kind of shape the league or reshape it a little bit here in the last couple of days. As again, there's no, I don't think there's more impactful sport or a more impacted sport by trades than the NBA. Just the amount of game changing trades and free agent signings just because of the individuality, because of the lack of roster spots, it, it matters a lot. So we're going to get into all that coming up in our number two. Stay tuned, more sports call after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long. 
and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with me here on this Thursday. Fun first hour. Had a couple phone calls also. Talked a little bit about the penalties garnered to LSU and to Will Wade after a couple different incidents, not only with Will Wade and the basketball program, but also with an ineligible offensive lineman playing for LSU from 2012 to 2015. So that has uh, already gone through all that. If you missed that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. NBA draft coming up tonight from Brooklyn, 7 o'clock this evening. And uh, we're going to start to break it down right now. But uh, in just a minute, I should say, before we do that, let's remind you of the last NBA draft. We won't be hearing any Auburn guys tonight, but here's what happened back in 2022. With the third pick in the 2022 draft, the Houston Rockets select Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn University. With the 22nd pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Walker Kessler from Auburn University. So that's back last year. Two Auburn Tigers being taken in the first round. Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Humorously, if I can say that. Uh, Walker Kessler drafted by a team that was trading him to another team that was trading him as well. So lots of different hats in the air for Walker Kessler, who, of course, ended up with Utah. Let's start by breaking down the season from Jabari Smith this year uh, in Houston. Of course, there were rumblings going into draft night last year that Jabari Smith could be the number one overall pick to Orlando. They ended up going with Paolo Bancaro. Bancaro wins Rookie of the Year in the NBA last year. The number two was Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, who did not play second after getting significantly injured uh, in the summer. And then Jabari, three to Houston. Jabari's season, uh, guys, I think, um, clearly got better at the end, clearly found some stuff in the second half. Uh, Part of the relevancy to it is Houston does not have a true point guard. So it was Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green Doing some some step <laughs> backs, some like ISO, two assists each right. per game. Uh, so they're out there to score. Part of Jabari's allure is that he is and is was going to be uh, a guy that gave you more than just offense. He's going to rebound and, and have the potential to be a really good defender. We certainly saw some of the rebounding last year, as he averaged over seven rebounds a game. Saw some of that defense uh, too, and saw some of the defense too. Uh, all in all, I think offensively clearly still a little disappointing but but there's some factors that go into that too like I mentioned with the guards so what's the most important thing for you 
going into year two for Jabari to kind of build off of year one? Uh, I, I, I think it's just still continuing to adjust to the scoring aspect, like you said. You know, really, I think our biggest thing is, and our biggest criticism of Jabari, even here at Auburn, was that he wasn't great at putting the ball on the floor. Um, he's always been a catch and shoot kind of, of player, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but um, with a player of his caliber, you got to have at least a little bit of a handle to, to kind of move the ball a little bit more. And he did handle the ball some um, with, with Houston as it, you know, I kind of saw sometimes where he would bring the ball up, start the offense, different things like that. But for the most part, he really did not do that. Um, primarily it was Jalen Green or Kevin Porter Jr. That was, you know, having the ball in their hands for the most time, I mean, considering their guards. Uh, so that's really what I would think, just opening up his game a little bit more because that defense is and continues to show that his defense was NBA ready. Um, just a couple different matchups. One in particular, he did really, really well against Giannis, um, you know, defended Giannis. Uh, not the first time as well, obviously still adjusting. It was really early in the season in his rookie year, but that second um, second matchup, he did very well against Giannis and learned from from the first matchup. So uh, his his ability to adjust on defense, I think the hiring of Ime Udoka is going to do wonders for Jabari. Um, I, I, Ime is big and I mean huge on defense. Um, that's really his staple. Um, is is if you don't play defense, you're not going to play. So um, you know that's going to. I mean, not just, I mean, Jabari is probably their the best defender, best wing defender at the very least uh, on the team right now. Uh, maybe probably best overall defender on the team right now, um, just based off of his length and ability to move his feet and everything. So he's, I mean, he's a natural born defender and we knew that. Um, and he, he hustles on that side of the ball very, very much. Um, so I think just once once he gets Ime in there to really help him uh, develop that offense just a little bit more, Jabari is going to be a completely unlocked player. It's going to be um, it's going to be great. I think Ime is going to do wonders. I loved that hire when they announced it. Um, I, I thought that was the perfect uh, perfect hire, um, and it, it's gonna it's gonna be great for Jabari for sure. Ending up with a three percent three point percentage only around thirty percent. So that was part of the Travels offensively. Uh, the the putting it on the deck. I I think the shooting will come around. I will be yeah. very surprised if he never yeah. ends up being a, a good NBA shooter. Right. What you want to see if he wants to be the complete offensive package yes. is, is the driving and the stuff. Yep. Fifteen feet and closer to the basket because at his length he's always going to be able to get shots off and his activity. He's he gives a damn on defense yeah. and sometimes it's hard to it's, get a young guy to give a really damn on defense on defense in the nba i mean there sure. i could point to way too many examples <laughs> of guys that just don't and nope. and and look not everyone that tries is going to be a good defender but i'll always take the guy that tries, tries. over the guy that doesn't Absolutely. give a crap and so jabari cares he's already got the length and the tools to be a good defender we've already yep. seen some of that for sure and again he values the intensity part of it because he is not really the center he is a power stretch four yeah. uh and but he's somebody had over seven rebounds a game and again that you would think he's a hustler maybe in the 1980s or 90s for a power forward to have seven rebounds a game that would be a given but that's not always a given in today's Ooh. game with how guys play so yeah, he has yeah. he has the activity there level there for sure so on to walker kessler now walker kessler was Honestly, this is not a hot take. He was a better rookie than Jabari last year. Oh, yeah. Can't believe that, or, or we're very surprised to see that. Was. But 
Kessler, again, ended up 74 games, uh, just over nine points a game, eight rebounds. And then, obviously, the big part of it, two and a half blocks, 2.3 blocks a game. Beasted. So, that ended up hand. putting up, like, not too far off, like, Rudy Gobert prime numbers there. It was 72% from the field. Obviously, everything is around the rim. But but still, I mean, I'm not, not ever going to gawk at 72%. So, Kessler, who got some Rookie of the Year votes, uh, he was, I think, third in voting, ultimately. I thought he finished fourth. Fourth? Okay, fourth in voting. So, he got some votes. Um, he made a surprising impact. The Jazz. I've heard some people talk it, about him, and I'm not. It's not hyperbole. I've I've heard him mentioned as a top ten center in the league already. Uh, which is again, I, if you told me that, I just would have been shocked. But good for him. Walker Kessler did finish third in voting. Third, third in voting. Okay. He had okay. 114 total points. Got two first place votes. Okay. Two, that's okay. That's Jalen uh, okay. Williams for the Thunder, which in a second did not get any first place votes. So okay. the only person to receive first place votes besides Paolo Vancaro was, was, Walker. was Walker Kessler. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it was that jazz rider. I remember because it, it stopped Pablo from being um, unanimous. And uh, we were okay with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is what it is, man. So Kessler now, unlike Jabari, I think there's still a ceiling that approaches Kessler to where it's like, okay, the guy, he's never going to be like a 20-point scorer in no. the league. Now, he might get up to 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, you I know, was depending, 12. <laughs> uh, <laughs> depending on the usage. Uh, so, so there is that part of it. But Kessler is operating in the space where he fits a perfect mold of a guy that defends the rim screens and it ends up being a positive on offense without doing all the normal right. things that you would expect a positive impact offensive player to do because as a center that really can't shoot from the perimeter you there's such a limited amount yeah, of things that absolutely. you can then do at this point given that the post up is so is it's getting so dead. almost few and far yeah. between and so he's able to be this excellent screener and screen and roll guy and get offensive rebounds and so it makes it to where, yes, obviously there's going to be teams playing off of him. But what teams have also got so smart at doing is when they play, when someone plays off a center, well, because he's a great screener, he'll get that jump shooter right. open yep. because the the guy the, the the guy guarding Kessler is too low to get out and get a good contest on a shooter. So if you get shooters. To, to play pick and roll with that and just get – or not even pick and roll, just yeah. a screen with that. Absolutely then it frees up those guards for open threes. And so it's not – every team doesn't necessarily do it that way because of that. Like you don't if, – if Utah continues to get guys that can shoot, then you're going to be weary of playing off a walker because he's going to set a great screen and then that guard's going to have an open three. So it is it is a valuable trait to have. It sounds like such a little thing. But yeah, being a great screener is important. Yeah, and those little things are important, very and, important. And so he he perfects that part of it already. So the question's a little different. It's not what does Walker need to improve on. Uh, my question for you is when it comes to his long-term viability in the league as being a great rim protector and that sort of thing, um, what situation, say Utah does not end up being great, for the next few years and they maybe start to operate under, okay, we're going to have to uh, think about different moving pieces or, or maybe even not from Utah's perspective, but someone else comes in and say, Hey, we, we want Walker Kessler to kind of round off a, a championship team or, or round off a, a playoff contention team. What kind of teams does he fit? Like what, what are the things that need to be done around him 
and I kind of mentioned one with the three-point shooting, but like what kind of places, what kind of schemes, what kind of stuff does he fit best in? I would say he fits best in a lot of pick-and-roll situations. Um, I think I think Walker moves very well for his size. Um, I, I think – I think that will help him create some longevity in the league. I think, um, you know, he, I, I think he'll be willing to go up and get the ball. He, I mean, he's he's a big dude, so it's not that hard for him to go up and get it. Uh, pick and roll offenses. I do think he's he's gonna have to have to try and develop that three. He's just, it's just it's just a must, and it's not impossible. It just takes the practice and the repetition to do it. I mean, we saw Brooke Lopez do it. Brooke Lopez was a true and, I mean, to the core rim protector, back-to-the-basket type of player early in his career. Now he averages almost three threes, you know, three made threes a game. Like he, I mean, if not more. So he, he really – and he shoots them often. So and same same with Al Horford. Those guys went and developed a three-point shot. Obviously it was later in their careers, but if you're Walker Kessler, if you focus on it now, you know, once you kind of reach into your prime, you'll be able to continue to be that threat. So where you're not just going to be a pick and roll threat, you're going to be able to be a pick and pop threat as well. And and kind of fall fall back into it where it's just a natural where you're taking that kind of front of the rim shot at the three and you know it might go in sometimes but it you know or it might not go in sometimes but sometimes it'll go in it'll fall um and if you can you know post up there and in the corners i think that could end up working out for him um he's always going to be big always going to be that rim protector i think in a situation where yeah like a pick and roll offense um he would thrive the best and screening of screening shooters that that's that's where i think he would he would be able to thrive. So Kessler, a big first year in the NBA. Very excited for him. Again, uh, coming from North Carolina, not knowing what Auburn would get out of him. They got a a defensive player of the year guy. They got a guy that um, was a big part of the reason why Auburn became number one in the country, along with Jabari Smith. Kessler ends up being a great rookie for Utah again Jabari Absolutely. ends up being solid but still some things to work on some still high ceiling expected out of Jabari Brooks a question for you and you could take one of those guys or a guy like Chumo Kiki Isaac Coro uh, who do you keep an eye on a lot in the NBA amongst these Auburn guys and and what do you want to see out of some of these guys that that, you know, so really a common theme is all these guys kind of struggling shooting the ball a little bit. They do yeah. some other things well, but uh, just who do you have your eyes on in the league right now out of Auburn? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to have my eyes more on Chumo Kiki, but he just keeps getting hurt. That's the bad thing. And I think that's the that's the, the, the biggest thing there is if you're, you know, you're the magic, I don't know how much longer you keep up with the Chumo Kiki. At this point, it's an experiment because you don't know what it's. It, you you you've seen glimpses of what he can do, but he's just never good enough or good. He's never healthy enough, long enough to have those consistently. Um, and uh, that's what I'd really like to see is Chumo Kiki just stay healthy for a full year, and so we could see what what he looks like in the NBA because we know he's a good player. He was taken high for a reason, and um, uh, you know the 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 
drafting of Bancaro last year, although you can't blame uh, Orlando for going and getting Paulo Bancaro, but it took away some of the some of Chuma's opportunities. Uh, but he, you know, he, he just hasn't been able to earn them because he's been hurt. And so I want to see him as a, in a full year. Uh, if he's got to go somewhere else and, and, you know, he's held fully healthy and plays for a full year, I want to see him play for a full year. Uh, you know, and, and then Isaac Okoro continues to play really good defensive basketball. Uh, he, he started to, to develop a little bit more on the offensive side of things, but there's so they, the Cleveland has some scores that he doesn't need to be a big offensive threat. You've, you've got, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell up there that he can score, uh, score the basketball pretty regularly. So you don't need Isaac Okoro to be the the, the scorer on that team. Uh, and yeah, so I'd I'd like to see. You know, it, it's been fun to continue to watch Isaac Okoro continue to be a, a defensive uh, power for for the the I wanted to say, I almost said the Guardians, the Cavaliers. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but mainly I just want to see Chumo Kiki healthy because, and it's not just because I, it, it's the Auburn fandom and you're like, Oh, we want to see the Auburn guys do good. You know, like every, every, people know he's got talent there and they, they drafted him that high for a reason. So why let, let, let's get him. you know, we need him healthy so that we can see a full year of what he can do because last year, you know, he was, he was gone. He was out for a while. And when he came back, there was there was games where it was like oh he's getting you know two or three th- uh, buckets a game two or three attempts a game, and then there was other games where he was up there where he was uh, contending to uh, there was a few games where he was scoring fifteen sixteen seventeen points and so you you've seen flashes of what he can do but it it's he's just not been able to put it all there and that that's that's what I'd like to see him do is try is a full season of health to see if he can get it all together yeah offensively Okiki has been. Um... A bit of a mess, honestly, yeah. in the NBA. Uh, and his health, you know, he misses 19 and 20. That's the year after the, the ACL tear at Auburn. Um, so he did not play 19 20. In 2021, as in like 2020 and 2021, yeah. he played 45 games. That was a bit of a shortened season. That was the bubble year and all that. Then 2001 22, he played 70 games. He was out there. And available, played 25 minutes a game, but he was 37 and a half percent from the floor, which as an NBA player is just not good enough. Period. And then 31.8 percent from three. I think the league average is around 34 percent, something like that. 30, no, 35, 36 percent. So well right. below average. Yeah. And then last year for Orlando, I actually saw his best game. <laughs> I, I was there. Uh, it happened with me in attendance. He only played 27 games last year. He. Only averaged five points a game. He shot 35% from the field and 30% from three. Quite simply, that's not an NBA offensive player right there. I mean, it's just it's just not. Now, he plays great defense. The game I went to, I went and saw Golden State at Amway Center against Orlando. And Okiki, I think, had his season high. I think it was either 17 points or 18 points. Yeah, I remember that game. Uh, and I was like, at the time, Golden State was winning. I'm like, oh, good for Chuma. And then... He's out there. He had another shot in the fourth, and he was on uh, the last defensive stand for Orlando at the end. I was like, you know what? Stop it. I wasn't a fan of this anymore. Uh, darn. Uh, so it was actually his best game of the entire year. Again, he did not play a lot. So he is bordering on on losing losing touch with the league, I fear. Uh, the Bancaro and Franz Wagner bit obviously prevents him from starting 
And then if he wants to continue to get those bench minutes, now some of that Jonathan Isaac was injured for a very long period of time. That's someone that would be competing against him for minutes. And Isaac's not for certain going to be NBA caliber after the three million injuries he's had. So that's part of it. And again, Okiki does offer you something defensively. He is long. His wingspan's good. Uh, he is a fairly decent rebounder, about four and a half, five rebounds a game in his career in about 23 minutes a game. So there are things there, but if he's going to keep shooting 35, 37% from the floor, I mean, he's just not going to last much, much longer in the league. And then yeah. with, with Okoro, we talked about this here in the playoffs. You know, he is, he's a such a solid defender. I really think that he could, he's going to end up in the league for a while just because of that. However, the three-point percentage for him has always been a little misleading. It's not as bad as you think. It's around league average. But the problem is is that every three he takes is wide open. And I, I think the stat coming into the year was in 2021-22 season, Okoro had the most wide-open yeah. threes in the entire NBA. And that's not a guy that shoots a ton of threes. Right. You know, it doesn't. It's not like you know he shoots six threes, seven threes a game, but he had the most wide open threes in the league, and he was about thirty six percent from from three, which is league average. So there's still something there that he needs to get another tier better as a yeah, shooter, so that te- so that teams that need offense don't just they like nope can't can't have him on the floor right now. Can't we, we know he plays defense, but there's too big of a price to pay offensively, and and I know that the. You know he's got a little bit of a slashing ability if he wanted to go that route because he is athletic. Yeah. He's had some impressive finishes. He's had yeah. a couple poster dunks in the For league. Real. Uh, but there's it, there's got to be something that he adds offensively to really heighten. Again, we're not asking. I'm not asking for a 20 point player here. I'm asking for a 13 point 13. player yeah. that shoots high 30s from three, right. bordering on 40. And then that guy will play 30 minutes a game for almost any team because right. that's when the defense will be that yep. that booster. It'll be the, hey, this guy absolutely. can play against a, a really good offensive player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with Chuma, for me, I, I you know, it sucks because you're right. He's just been so injured, and, and I really think, you know, the shooting percentage, I, I truly think it's a matter of comfort, right, because – He's not getting. He's not getting enough. To, I mean, he's not even played a full season, right? So I mean, I mean, it, I just wonder what a full season would be able to produce for Chuma. I think that would work. I would think that would do help a lot and solve a lot of his efficiency problems, um, because then he'd be able to really settle into an actual role with the team, not just oh, I'm playing 30 games in an in an 82 game schedule. Um, so you know, I'm kind of out here just trying to get comfortable within myself i mean it it probably takes about that many games coming back from injury in itself to get comfortable if you're out there especially especially playing a game at nba speed um you, you know i i just think that giving him that um getting him to be fully healthy getting him a full season just under his belt would help a lot with with that efficiency because you're right he is a quality defender i think he you know he brings that to the table already it's the efficiency the shooting from three that we just kind of need to work on a little bit uh with 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 isaac you know yeah the defense you know that's really what he brings to the table that's his main thing that's always been what what he's kind of staked his what a lot of scouts and and um 
people that analyze have staked it on that, that Isaac is an elite defender, that three. He just needs to get more comfortable shooting that wide open three. I think um, if he can do that and, you know, like you said, get to that high 30s, um, you know, maybe even if he can hit that 40, that would be absolutely um crucial and then he can play those consistent minutes he'll really be able to find a role he won't be considered unplayable because i mean i think there were a couple games this season where he he logged some dmps i don't know if I, or, they, there or, was a part of the year where yeah. he was struggling yeah he was only and, getting like six eight minutes right yeah, and he had some really yeah. low minute games um and you know you don't want to have that you 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 uh if you're if you're isaac that's really what it is just focus on that make yourself that threat make yourself that three-point threat because then i mean it opens up much more for your game in general anyway because then teams will play out on you that gives you the ability to then bring in that slashing that cutting ability and use that athleticism to go up get lobs do whatever you know around the rim uh that he that we obviously know that he can do um and then you know make him a relatively decent score at, at like you said 13 a game 13 to 15 a game if you can get that from isaac gold money i think that's really where he could live and there's some teams that would be maybe a little more willing to accept okoro's offensive shortcomings than right. cleveland but the problem for cleveland is jared allen's also someone that can't play yeah, outside he's, all he's, he's got to be in the paint yeah. and so you're talking about having two guys that are now no longer really pure offensive outside threats threats, and not yeah. outside threats you know again and and for people that say well okay Coro, what because i looked it up he was 36 percent from three last year 35 percent the year before he was 29 i think his rookie year it's like what's wrong with that again it, it's inherently that's not a bad percentage that is a league average percentage but the point is watch cleveland play every three he takes is a good three every yeah. three he takes is a wide open usually corner three to yep. be particular and if every shot you shoot is wide open, then you need to be around that 40% number because yeah. there are many guys in the league that shoot 40% from three yep. and that, that get a, a lower quality of look than that. Absolutely. And so it, it, it makes it it makes that 35, 36% feel closer to 31, yeah, 32. It looks way worse than what it actually right. is. Because it's like, man, he thought shot five threes tonight. He was one of five, or, may, or maybe he shot six and he was two of six. It's thirty three percent, but it's like, man, five of those six were wide open. Yeah. It's like you could have used all all of those. And so, you know, it is again, it's splitting hairs, but but that's how it is in, in the, the league. Game. I mean, everyone yeah, operates between is. like a twenty seven percent and forty seven percent from yeah. three point line. So you're talking about twenty percent of space for literally every single player margin. that makes three. So yeah, two or three, four percent ends up being kind of a big deal at the end of the day. We're gonna take our first time out of our number two. That's it for the Auburn guys in the NBA. When we come back, we're gonna talk NBA draft coming up tonight, seven o'clock. Of course you know who's number one. It's gonna be Victor Wimanyama. Talk a little bit about the expectations for him, but also go through some of the other top picks in the draft and the three big trades. Today. That's all next on Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn want more sports call 
Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger on FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childers with you here on this Thursday. It's NBA Draft Day here. Man, you, you sometimes you don't realize, I, I know we do because we, we love the league, but how quick the draft comes up after the season. I mean, we only had a five-game NBA Finals. If we had had a seven-game Finals, it would have ended Sunday, and the draft would have been four days after <sighs> the season. Uh, so, uh, very much. I miss it already. I know, I know. But hey, you get some summer league in July. You get a little appetizer. True. A little something to hold you off. Maybe that little bread that comes to the table at certain restaurants. It's just a little something. Bread. Might be thirty minutes before you get to the meal, but you're gonna get some bread to start off with. That's fair. Kind of thing. So you Let's got summer it. league coming up, and summer league will include all the guys, or at least most of the guys that you see drafted tonight uh, in Brooklyn. True, true, and true. again there's really not much time to be spent on number one. That is not in flux like it was last year. It will be Victor Wimbanyama. Yeah, Uh, he he, is a spur. He is seven foot five. He is from France. We're talking a little bit yesterday about kind of the things that he has done as a young man to try to prepare for the NBA, things that you wouldn't think about, like learning English at at an earlier age in France doing these stretches for his feet in pregame because he's aware that seven foot five people usually have foot joint and yeah. ligament and, and issues down lower leg and, and feet. So he's been doing that already. Uh, went to a basketball academy, which is not um, always the case for someone that young overseas. Uh, he's done a lot of things to yeah. be ready for this moment. So I asked the guys on the show yesterday – like, is there's too much hype? Like, just kind of how do is how to assess what we should actually expect out of Wimbenyama because he is a prospect. Whether you agree or not, I mean, a lot of people are saying this is the best yes. prospect since LeBron. since LeBron. Not better yeah. than LeBron. Not they're not saying that, best but just since. saying since right. LeBron. And again, a reminder of where LeBron, <laughs> what LeBron ended up being. Bro. As uh, indisputably top three player of all time, some people have him first, a lot have him second, two people might have him third. You know, like having that career is not something to ever expect out of out of a pro. Yeah. Like I don't know how one could expect that. Right. Out I mean, of someone that young. Gosh, they you know, had that expectation for LeBron, and he. I still think he exceeded what. What and in ways he did. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I still think. Especially the longevity part, yeah. especially the actually getting one in Cleveland part. Now, granted, it was took a while, and there was more roads, and but it had happened. to form a different team, but he got it. Um, with Wimbenyama, if I told you, let me just arbitrary number here. Say in his career, and we're going to kind of throw out the, the lean years at the end, because if he plays till he's 40, there'll be some years that detract from average and right, blah, blah, blah. But right. let's say for the majority of his career, he's a 20, 22-point player 
Averages 11, 12 rebounds. Three blocks, three and a half blocks. Jesus. Let's say seven or eight-time All-Star. Let's say goes to the finals. Maybe doesn't win a finals. Let's just say consistent playoffs, but no championship. Retires about an eight-time All-Star. Couple-time All-NBA first or second teamer. Couple All-Defensive teams. Maybe a depoy Defense Player of the Year. Does that feel disappointing if that happens? If yes. that's the career? Yeah, that actually does feel disappointing. I'm thinking about it as you're yeah. naming, and I'm like, that's a little underachieving for the hype that he has. You know, I'm expecting like, you know, like ten to twelve All Star games. Uh-huh. You know, I, I an MVP I, yeah, of the league, an MVP. You know, probably two or three, cha- two or three championships. You know, uh, and 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 a definite handful of All NBA teams. Um, and 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 a depoy because of what he brings in his size. I, yeah, I, I think there'd I, be multiple, yeah, of multiple those, yeah. defensive player of the years. Um, you know, so it, it can. He's he's got a lot of hype, man. He's he's gonna be something serious. I was just watching some interviews, and, and he's smart, dude. Like he's a he's a he's very he's very self aware. Um, he's not scared of the hype. You know, he's not really going to sh- – he doesn't seem like he's one to shy away from the spotlight, but he's very, you know, he's very – I mean, just not not humble. He's confident, um, and he knows what he can do. Um, and, I mean, I mean, he said he knew he was going to be – he knew he could be a pro at 12. Like, he knew he could be right. able to be a pro basketball player at 12. And that is when his, it became his goal to get to the NBA um, and – I mean, ever since then, he's been on that trajectory, and now I, I, you know, the Spurs, the the fact that the Spurs did get the number one pick, I think it was just like kind of a perfect destiny fit, you know, that connection that they have with Tony Parker, um, and and the France connection already, like uh, I mean, a lot of French people already really love the Spurs because of Tony Parker. He was the best. He's you know he's the best player to come out of France. Um, and so if, if Wembenyamba can even just live up to what, yeah, I, I mean, he, I would expect him to surpass what Tony Parker is as the best player to come out of France and play in the NBA. Um, I can fully believe that he'll probably live up to that. I do wonder, you know, how his frame is going to hold up. He says he's not nervous about it. That's fine. I mean, he is seven foot five, so he can probably, you know, I mean, he's just going <laughs> to reach over everybody, but, um, and I mean, he's, he really is the definition of a unicorn. LeBron called him an alien. He's all of that. It's really, we've never seen anything like him. I, I mean, you know, Bobo might be the closest, but he's not as skilled as, as what Wimbenyama is. Chet, could be, but we don't know yet because already had the yeah, big injury. Right, he already has that injury issue. So we, but Wimbenyama seems to know how to take care of his body already. Um, seems to really have the the his head on straight. Knows to come in and handle that business. Um, and and really the hype of of being this big generational, like truly generational talent. Um, like, I mean, when you're getting compared to the likes of LeBron James as a prospect, 
Um, I mean, they're I mean, they were treating him just like it too. Those games that they were for for whatever team he's met ninety two or whatever that he was playing for. I mean, ESPN started airing those games, like specifically started airing those games. Like when LeBron was in high school, they would air the game, air LeBron James games on ESPN. Different things like that. I mean, he was getting the LeBron treatment. So um, there's very very high expectations, um, and you know the things that you name off. If if he's that. If he ends up with that kind of career, it would be considered. I would consider that a disappointment for what is what he is expected to be. Um, so I I think he'll do great things in the NBA. Um, I you know I fully expect him to win Rookie of the Year. Um, some people are you know um, are saying he's going to make an All Star game year one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd, I'd like to see him first, you know, play right. in the NBA. I But it wouldn't surprise me. It seems like he already, you know, I mean, he's been playing pro ball since he was, what, 16. So, you know, it's kind of the same trajectory as Luka. Like, Luka was just straight up ready when he got here. Um, so uh, I think it's just things like that. I, I'm excited to watch him, though. I, he's the consensus number one pick. If, if there's like a – I wish there was a um, – you know how how the NFL has their prospect and and um, how they rate the top. I mean, even the number ones, like how they had Trevor Lawrence up there with the likes of Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and guys like that. I wish there was kind of like a, a scale for how they measured it in the NBA for who was like that one of one in all of the ones to see how that would really measure out and where Wimbenyama would sit. I mean, I would sit. I would say he was you know right up there at the top, but um, I mean there's plenty of guys who had that hype as the number one overall pick so um yeah it, it's it's exciting i can't i can't wait to see what he does in the nba um so yeah that's kind of my take on all of it brooks i know that uh you sorry might, for my soapbox brooks. <laughs> you might not want to slap particular accolades on him but like just to, hearing all the hype about him i don't know how much video you've seen i know you've seen at least a little bit it's kind of hard to avoid but like what what do you want i mean how what are your hopes for what his career is and at what level will it feel like a disappointment in your view oh man i don't know um my my first take is uh, with any prospect i don't no matter how good they are I, i'm cautiously optimistic because this is and when it when it comes to football when it comes to basketball it the, because you know the the only thing that the the US doesn't have is the top soccer league in the world every every draft you get the pro football draft pro basketball draft it's the top league in the world everybody wants to come and play in, in the NBA and you there you know he's he's been playing pro ball for for a while in France but this is the big leagues, so I want to see how he adjusts to the NBA and just to the the elite uh, play that that's in the NBA. I don't think he's going to have much problem, uh, but I, I just want to you know see see how he adjusts into it and how he plays. Um, from from his level of hype that's coming in, I think it's a disappointment if uh, and I, you know I can't slap a I, you, you can't really slap a oh he's got to win a title because it depends on what team you're on like you know, one one player unless your name is you know LeBron James you can't or, or Michael Jordan you can't really carry a full team um, uh, to it to a championship and then sometimes that it's you know you could be the greatest player of all time and still not be able to carry a full team to a championship game uh, or a championship um, I think you know like like 
Cam was saying. I think multi-time All-Star, you're, you're going to have to uh, – is in the picture um, at least one MVP – um, and there, there's so many good players that uh, I think at least you grab at least one MVP. And, you know, the, the NBA MVP voting is so p- not political, but kind of kind of popularity content. Yeah, it, it's it, it can it, be. There's a lot sure. of times that the NBA writers get a get a narrative into their their heads and they're like, this is who we want uh, as Gosh. the MVP. And it's like, well, this other guy was kind of, you know, if this if, if he wasn't on this team, they would be, you know, kind of bad. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's like, no, this guy's doing, this guy's averaging a triple-double every single night on this on a playoff team. Well, if they, you took him off of there, are they still a playoff team? Well, yeah, but he's averaging a triple-double. All right, cool, whatever. <laughs> that feels like a Russell Westbrook shot. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but it's, it's – uh, you know, it, it, a multi-time all-star, I think you got to have one MV, at least one MVP, and I think you got to be in contention for others. I think it can't just be a, you know, a, oh, he's... Yeah, he he's, has one magical year, yeah, that's it. and that's it. And he's got to, you know, at least be a, a, in the you know top five, top three of voting for quite a few times if, if he only wins one. And, and I think, you know, you grab... I, I don't necessarily think he has to win Rookie of the Year, because I, I think you know again that depends on who adjusts to the league quicker. He could adjust. He could be you know the best player out of this draft class when it comes all said and done. Everybody's career's done. He, right. he, he more than likely you know from the hype he could be the best player in the draft class. But that doesn't mean he's going to be the best year one. You could have you know Jim Bob over here that was picked thirtieth and he had the best year one. Right. It, it. I don't think you have to win rookie of the year this year. Um. But I, I think you yeah. know some some player some ex players of the year awards down the line i think he if you're you're winning a couple of those and getting whatever team you're on getting them in playoff into the playoffs slash playoff contention i think is going to be really important i i would be immediately concerned admittedly if he did not win rookie of the year this year because like a the space between him and the, and the next two are so large in the minds of, of so many in the league two did he get injured? Like, did he, did he get? Did he not play? Because right. and that's the that's the thing is you know you, you talk we, we talk about what all these stretches he's doing to keep himself try to keep himself healthy. He's still you know a massive human being, right? And though the those guys you know you see uh, uh, who was it Chet Holmgren? Yes, right. Immediately got hurt. Yeah, and so it it's you know it, I don't think his career if his career goes the injury route obviously that's a different story. Uh, and, and that's going to be a big, another one of those big things of adjusting to the NBA of how you're physically adjusting to it as well. Yeah, and, and that's the part that that bothers me. Like, I so I I did this huh, this thing back in college. Uh, it's called the fast break, which I've mentioned a time or two, and you guys know that as my friends. Um, Sometimes it pops back up on Twitter, right? Uh, with, with JJ in college, and we would write for the fast break sometimes. Uh, draft previews, and I, I, I wrote that I was a little skeptical about Luca. That man, he just doesn't look like he's overly athletic, and the the go over from Europe to American thing. Yeah. Like, are we sure? Like that athleticism, that lack of athleticism is going to be okay. And and uh, you know, when on draft night, when the Hawks and Mavericks made that trade, everyone was freaking out. And I was like, I don't know, Trey might end up being better. I, I'm not sure. Uh, and so I was not not a not a huge Luca guy. And so Luca has kind of been who's changed my opinion on on how 
transferable the, the European yeah. leagues yeah. are to America because Luca came in from day one and was awesome. And he has his issues. Like, he's not a good defender. He is, in fact, not incredibly athletic. But the kinds of step-back threes he hit – he can do uh, whatever hit. he wants. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the offensive package, the path, it's all there. Yeah. It's all there, and there's no side effects of being over. And you're like, he's translated beautifully to the NBA game. So I've stopped thinking about that for most of these European guys, especially guys picked in top five, top ten in the draft, the, the truly talented guys. Hell, Jokic was picked yeah, the second say, round while Joker. a Taco Bell commercial was going on, <laughs> like 41st overall. Right. He won two time MVP, just won the title. <laughs> and uh, and all of that. So I, I have to get that off my chest. Since right. Brooks has been ta- talked about. It so I'm not worried about that part of it. I'm just worried, and I will worry with anyone that looks like a freakish human. I'm just going to worry about the injuries. It's yeah, just, it's for just sure. it's it's a wor- it's going to be a worry until it gets to like year seven for me. It just is. Uh, Zion, who is another freak of nature, and I know he's got his own stuff going on. That's <laughs> not injury related, but it's like that guy is built in a way that we don't see many humans built. He plays with a force that we don't see <laughs> many humans play with. It's not shocking that he has injury problems. It's, no, it's insane. He's you so know? explosive, he right. hurts himself. That's so much force. <laughs> it is. And so with Wimbenyama, it's like seven foot five guys that are going to run as fast as he's going to run and move as much as he's going to move and take these hits and stuff like that's not – uh, Probability-wise, it's I I don't think it's very probable that he has an injury-free <coughs> career, you know, and that he doesn't, yeah. and that he avoids a bunch of major injuries. Like it, that part of it worries me. Uh, it, it does, and but I think if he's healthy, I think he'll do a lot of special things. And yes, I do think to answer the question I posed to you guys, I think it'll be pretty disappointing if he's not a the best player in the year for a period, uh, best player in the league for a period of time. B if he is not. A champion at some point, uh, and see if he does not play at a statistically brilliant level for at least five to ten years. I yeah. mean, like that, all yeah. those things will be disappointing because he is one of the best prospects uh, in a long time, regardless of opinion. Again, some will say best since LeBron, and. I think that when you're talking about that high of a prospect, there's tiers of number one guys, and if you to do this, follow this logic. If you're taking Wimbenyama over the number one picks of all these other years, well, then the logic says, well, coming into it, he should be starting a place that would allow him to be better than all these yeah. people because that's where you would take him. You would take him above these other prospects. Therefore, the ceiling and the potential means he could be the best player over all of them for a long time. Yeah, And so – if he's not that, it's already going to be disappointing to some people. What's the level that he'd have to be above to make sure he's not a bust? I don't know how many all-star teams or how many points per game and rebounds. I wanted to build an arbitrary number and to see if it out loud if it felt disappointing, right. and it kind of felt a little disappointing. Yeah. And so I don't know what exactly it will look like, but I do know that there are a heaping of expectations, so much so – to where I planned on going through the top three picks of this draft in this segment uh, and getting yeah. through the top three, and we've got 30 seconds left, and we're <laughs> not going to get to Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller just yet. Uh, but we will do that in hour number two. Again, Wimbin Yama will go first the Spurs. Might play some summer league, might not. Oh, no, he said he was going to. Okay. He said he was going to play in summer okay, league. Okay, so... We'll see how many minutes a game and all that sort of thing. I'm going to be excited about it. If I was the Spurs, I'd be nervous the entire time. Yeah. Uh, so but like, 
Oh, yeah. Fun to watch from a neutral party. You dunked the ball. Okay. Okay. You're done. You're done. Five minutes. Okay. You're good. Fun to watch from a neutral perspective. (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) Just don't want to see a Chet Holmgren thing thing happen for sure. So we are out of time here for hour number two. In hour number three, we will do a more complete dive into the NBA draft. Also, talk about a couple of these trades that have happened in the last 72 hours, how they're shaping up the league. And update you on all that. If we don't get to the trade part, might hit on that tomorrow, so not as urgent. But certainly we'll get to all the draft stuff coming up in hour number three. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here. Let's get right into it here in hour number three. Hour number two, we talked about the Auburn guys and the NBA in their rookie year last year and some of the other Auburn guys too. And then also talked about Victor Wimbenyama. So let's actually get into this draft. Wimbenyama is going number one. We know that. Uh, there's n- really nothing that could happen to change that. that. That is happening. If you bet it in Vegas, you will win money. You will not win much money, but you will <laughs> win money. So number two and number three, that's where the draft begins. Man, what a teeter-totter this has been the last week or two yesterday we did talk because i asked tom and brant since they're not on the show today about scoot versus miller at two and three and at that time miller had really regained hold of the two yeah. pick i mean it, it, he they had had um, some workouts on monday with him and scoot and coming out of that Woj did a deal on sports center basically yep. like yeah they're they're he did one of those, like, they're tantalized by Miller. You know, the, the yeah. fancy word. Like, I'm tantalized by. I wonder what the word's going to be this year. Right. I, I'm I'm captivated by <laughs> whatever, you know. And so. Enamored by. <laughs> you have that. Well, now, this morning, if you and if you follow the betting markets at all, and I yeah. usually don't, but a lot do. Shifted. It shifted yep. all the way back around to Scoot. Yep. And that makes you ner- nervous if you nervous. had had Miller going too. Yeah. Because that doesn't change for nothing. And then you also had another part, I don't know if it was Shams or, or, or somebody actually gave it some life and said, yeah, there's now uncertainty on yeah, who. Yeah, I think it was Shams. I think it was Shams. Yeah. 
And so I I genuinely now don't know who's going number two. I think I maintain what I said yesterday. If you ask more people around the league, it is close. It is it is not some cat big chasm, but more people around the league prefer Scoot to Brandon Miller. I, I feel pretty yeah. good about saying that. That's not every team, but if you just said from a talent perspective, regardless of need, I think maybe twenty of thirty would say Scoot. Sure. So the issue with Charlotte is they're one of the teams that clearly fit in the category of it would make more sense from a roster construction angle to take Brandon Miller sure. because he is a wing. Uh, LaMelo Ball is their best player by far. He is a point guard. What would LaMelo Ball and Scoot look like in the backcourt? Could be weird. Could be a lot of fun, but also could be weird. And so it feels like it would make sense for them to take Miller. But this gets into the question I have every single time. If you are a bad team, and it varies by sport, but if you are a bad team, do you take the best player available or do you take the need? Because you can argue that you should just be trying to get talent. It doesn't matter what it looks like or how it fits. You need to get dudes. You need to stop being 22 and 60. You need to just get some talent. But the other argument, too, is like, well, okay, you get these players with the idea that one day they will be a part of a winner for you. And if they are not going to fit now, why would they fit in three or four years all of a sudden? And that's fair, too. Now, the Miller stuff, look, I think he's going to be an incredible offense player in the league. He's 6'9", he glides, he shoots, he does all these things. Yes, he was terrible in the NCAA tournament with a capital T. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm 10% concerned about that. I don't – 5%, it's not overly concerning, but it was historically bad in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I know there was an injury involved, but, again, it was historically bad. And so that's part of it. You wonder about the defense. He will rebound. He had eight rebounds a game at Bama last year, so he's going to rebound. You just wonder about can he use his length the way you want him to as yeah, a that, defender. that jumper might have to change too. Uh, and, the, and it might, but it was effective at it Alabama. Was, oh, so yeah, we'll see. Sure. Um, so what do you do? You like if you're Charlotte, Scooter Miller, and then if you're Portland, what are you rooting for to have happen here? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get into it then. Um, yes. Yeah, no, into it. So, this is hour three. We're into it. So if I'm Charlotte, I go Brandon Miller just because I don't think it makes much sense to get Scoot. It, it just – you already have your point guard, your ball-dominant point guard who can really facilitate very well. And, you know, our, you and I talked and I told you, you know, it's not impossible to where if you were to draft Scoot, it couldn't – it's not impossible to where it couldn't work. Like we've seen it work with with before they traded Halliburton, the Kings did it. They had two point guards kind of running in tandem um, with Halliburton and and Fox, and so it's not like it couldn't work. It's just a little weird. Um, but I personally think that it would make more sense just to go with Brandon Miller, somebody who can score very well at wing does need to learn to use his size for defense a little bit better, um, which, I mean, that can just come with teaching and adjusting and, and different things like that um, and getting used to being in the NBA. Um, so if I'm, if I'm Portland, I'm, I'm going fit here. Um, and I think, go, I think for the most part going fit, um, you know, to build a roster is the best way to go just because BPA really goes – I mean, obviously, like – you know, just going back to Victor, like obviously whoever would have gotten the number one pick would have picked Victor. That's it. That's like, that's just no question. 
Um, but once you get down into the other into these other players, you know, Brandon, he can score very well. We know that. Um, and on all three levels can drive, can, you know, move the ball, uh, can, you know, handle the ball relatively well, um, can shoot the three very well, um, and relatively efficiently also. Um, and like I said, just get, if he can get that defense up, that's really where, where you have it. And, and you have another piece that you can build around. If I'm Portland, I draft scoot. That's literally your next franchise player. Like, I don't really know how else to express it. Trade Damian Lillard. Just move on. It's it's that that era has passed. Um, you know, if you're Dame, Dame, just I get it. Nobody's gonna judge you if you go to a different team. I understand that you want to stay in Portland. It just doesn't make sense at this point. The entire team is relatively young now, outside of Nurkic and and uh, I think they have I think they have Jeremy Grant as well, and he's not even that old. Um, and 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 then there's Dame. Dame, go to Miami, man. Take it. Go to Miami. Whatever trade package comes back, Portland can use to build a future. They have uh, a, a team that's already relatively young. Anthony Simons. They have Matisse Thybul. They have Shaden Sharp. They have pieces that they can really create, recreate a new young core that they can then, um, you know, build a championship roster if they're trying to, uh, you know, build a championship roster and and just move on. It's just kind of time for them to move on. So they just kind of need to sit Dame down and say, listen, it's time. Um, We're going to get you in a situation where you can win and compete for a championship. But for us personally as a franchise, I think Dame is holding them back at this point. I I just don't see how it can be productive for anybody uh, for for him to just still be there. I, I think he's over here saying, he wants to still compete and win a championship, and that roster is just not championship roster. It's just not. They traded away C.J. McCollum, who who you know would have contributed as a veteran and what he is. He's now with with the Pelicans. You have Anthony Simons, young player who can score, and I I just I just think it's time for them to go. And with Scoot Henderson, <coughs> excuse me, with Scoot Henderson, that's your next franchise player. That's your next franchise point guard. That's your next elite scorer. That's your next all-around do-it guy. And and so if you're Portland, I think you just need to draft Scoot, make that move, and move forward. Move on from Dame and, and uh, build that young core that you have. So, Brooks, yeah. you like, in this situation, you like the, the fit or do you like just the most pure talent? Just, again, not like it's night and day, but just the most pure talent. I, I think if you are – Charlotte, I, I think you have to, and you know, I think you have to go with uh, Brandon Miller here. I, I think that he fits in nicely. If you can get, uh, if you can get Ball back and have him, you know, healthy, uh, I think that he's he's gonna he, he fits alongside as a nice wing with with Lamelo Ball and continues to build toward uh, uh, the future for for Charlotte. If you're Portland. Uh, you know, obviously, you'd be happy with either of them, but it, you know, it it appears, and it, it, you know, I'm I'm with uh, Cam. I, I think that it, it's time for Damian Lillard to try somewhere else and try to win a win a championship somewhere else. But if you're still going with it, I still think Scoot Henderson is a good pick there because 
uh, even if it's not this year, if if you see the end of Damian Lillard being with your franchise in the horizon, Scoot Henderson's a guy that you can bring in and and can and can take over for for Damian Lillard when he does leave. So he can get in there, be a nice complimentary piece to to Lillard. But then and the when Lillard does eventually move on, you've got the the young piece there that can help him because you've seen them you know add some pieces here recently that they're trying to build for the future. And uh, I think Scoot Henderson's a guy that can help Portland to to continue to build toward that future with or without uh, Damian Lillard. But I, I think Brandon Miller's a guy that you, you put in with Charlotte. Um, you know, you, you guys talked about he came. They both went to uh, went to Charlotte on Monday and came out of it. And everybody was saying, "Oh, it, it looks like it's going to be Brandon Miller." And then the odds changed today. And so I, I still think they go. They they need to go Brandon Miller. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not Charlotte, so I don't know exactly what they do. But uh, I think that he's a good piece there to put next to Lamelo Ball and be kind of on play on the wing and and continue to build that Charlotte program back up. If I'm Charlotte and I'm Portland, Portland is rooting for Scoot Henderson to drop the three. Has to be. I list, if I'm Charlotte, I wake up and say, you know what? Other teams around the league would take Scoot. We're trying to make up reasons why Miller's the better fit. We're bad. Get the best player. I would take Scoot, too. And let me be the contrarian here. They have had plenty of times played a smaller guard beside LaMelo. They played Terry Rozier yeah, a lot. Terry. I think Graham had moved on, but I think maybe they overlapped, no, they, overlapped they for a year yes, or two. Yes, they did. Yep. They've been willing to do this in the past. Scoot, to me, he has that mentality that you covet because he did not back down from the Wimbenyama matchup when the, the G League night yeah. played them. And he had like 26 or 27 that game. Hooped. I think everything about Scoot will work except for he needs to make sure he gets the, the, the deep jump shot. He's got a mid-range and a float game. I watched right. numerous minutes of highlights the other night to, to watch what other than dunking and, and laying up was yeah. he doing. And he was making a lot of tough floaters. And that was an interesting skill that you can take advantage of if you can perfect it. I don't think the jump shot form is bad. I don't think it's broken. I think it is is doable for him to be a good shooter. And with Miller, I'll just be honest with you because, again, I've heard a fair amount. This is podcast season for me. I've listened to, watch or listened to a lot and listened to two or three different <clears throat> groups of people talk about this kind of stuff. The early, especially the early stuff, the early Miller interviews were concerning to people around the NBA. And he still does not have a good answer for what happened in Tuscaloosa at 2 a.m. in the morning that killed somebody. He still does not have a good answer for that. And no matter what happened and how much fault is with whoever and what you believe should have happened with suspensions or lack thereof, whatever, that is a concerningly bad decision to bring a gun to anybody at 1.30 in the morning. Right. It's just objectively a terrible decision. Right. And yes, the worst possible thing happened and he still should not he's still not the one that pulled the trigger or anything like that. But you can't look me in the eye and say, "You know what? I like the decision making of somebody right. doing that." One right. thing. And they're kids and what what they're all kids right now. Yeah. And if you are making good decisions versus bad decisions now, I'm still going to take the one that makes good decisions now versus the one that makes bad decisions now. 
That doesn't mean he'll make bad decisions his whole life. I don't think he will. I'm not saying he will. No. But I'm saying that is a very concerning decision. And if he still has not accepted either accountability or check the boxes of what these GMs are wanting to hear, then, again, that's still a concerning start. It's a start. It's not a finish for him. And he will. I'm sure he'll mature at some level. But... I don't want to have questions about the second pick of the draft. And I, and I am one of those people in a league where you don't have a lot of roster spots. I want to absorb talent if I'm bad. Right. If I'm good, it's a different conversation. Yeah, for sure. Let, let, let something fit with what I'm trying to do to get me over the hump. The Hornets have never won a playoff series. It has not happened. Get the most talent now. And if there's a fit problem, like the Kings did, yeah. trade that other incredibly talented player and get the things that you know will now fit. Look at the Kings. They were a playoff For team. Sure. They have made themselves better doing it that way. That's a good point. Even though Fox and Halliburton did not fit. So I would take Scoot. I think Miller will be awesome. I'm not, at the end of the day, I'm splitting hairs using that decision-making process. Right. I'm not holding it against him. Like I'm not saying, oh, if I'm third, I'm not picking him either. Right, no, because right. if I'm third, I am picking him. For sure. But I think you should listen to the other teams around the league in some instance and say, hey, everyone's rooting for us to take Miller. That's when the party get, or uh, that's when the party gets started. Yeah. Is if, if Scoot's available for everyone at three. Everyone right. wants that to happen. Maybe I should look around and, and think about why that's the case. So that's my argument for Scoot at two. But what you guys are talking about with Portland, I agree with the Lillard bit of it because he is getting to the last couple years of his prime. Like when whatever Portland gets, whether it's Scoot or Miller, and however good that ends up being, their young players will not be good enough early enough to make them championship good while Lillard's still in his prime. It yeah. won't happen. Yeah. They are they have stumbled into a rebuild. Like like Literally. in the midst in the midst of trying to be good, they have stumbled into a rebuild. Like where so it's set easy. up. Like for it's them. so easy. Yes. All they have to do is pull the Lillard trade. They're gonna get three, four, five first round picks out of it, maybe a young player too. They've already got Simons, who's a twenty-point scorer. They're going to get Miller or Henderson here. Shaden Sharp has and Shaden Sharp people are like, in love with. Oh I gosh. I didn't see as much I as him because yeah, I just I, I wasn't watching right. Portland enough. But people love Sharp. Yeah, they love him more than Simons. Yeah, some people they love do. his ability. So you're already like two thirds of the way to having the rebuild you want to have, and so I I would just rebuild it. I the thing that's holding up Portland. I know I know this is what it is. Where I I just. I have this instinct. This is what it is. Portland's thinking, man, Lillard's been our franchise player for a decade. We've won playoff series with him. He is the biggest star since Clyde that we've had. We're a market that we don't have many stars in. We can't convince many stars to come here. They're almost like get putting a tax on just being a smaller yeah, market but having a, a superstar. superstar. Yeah, And I think they're holding on too dearly to I that. I agree. Um, and, and so, and also for Dame's point of view, it's interesting because there's this whole will he, won't he, if Portland just picks third and does not trade, will he, won't he go and request request a trade the next day? Just take it out of his hands. Yeah. Just, just make the trade. Yeah, just do Be it. convicted about the path you're going there. Yeah, instead of trying this two path stuff. We've seen Golden Sit State decide to stop doing the two path stuff today. I don't know if it works, but just pick a path. Because you, if you're halfway into one path, halfway in the other one, you're actually in neither. Yeah. 
You got one foot in quicksand, pur- one, fo- one foot in fire. Yeah. I don't know which one's better, but I know either one's not good. Right. And so I think that Portland needs to have the gall to make that trade. One last thing on Portland thing, 60 seconds. I know this is an impossible 60-second deal but because we do have to move on the draft. I thought of a fake trade. Okay. I like fake all trades. Right. All right, all right, all I would right. spend way more time on fake trades if I could. Here's a fake trade. Straight up. Who says no? Damian Lillard for Zion Williamson. Wow. Mm. Who um, says no? Who says wow? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think anybody would say no necessarily. I don't think so. I mean, that pairs up Dame with CJ again. You still have Brandon Miller, who's a dynamic player as well. Um, that moves your timeline up a little Brandon bit. Brandon Ingram. Or excuse me, Brandon yep. Ingram, yeah. Uh, Brandon Ingram, it, that moves your timeline up a little bit, but you still have quality players. You still have Trey Murphy. You still have Jackson Hayes. Um, Herb Jones. You still have Herb Jones, yeah. who's a very, very good defender um, and you know has, has gaining some scoring ability for sure. Um, so it, as long as you're able to keep that intact, I mean – I would say yes on both sides. That that works. I, it, I don't know if he wants a, to go to New Orleans, but I'm sure CJ would be like, bro, come on. <laughs> it, it is so – it's such an interesting thought exercise because you're talking about someone incredibly talented that's in their early 20s still yeah, in right. Zion who when he's, been on, when he's been on the floor, he's looked like the guy we thought he'd be. Like there, there's no like bust from a – is he actually good standpoint? Like when he's right. on the floor, he's awesome. Yeah, and he's a force. But can he be on the floor? So if you're New or- if you're if you're New Orleans, I don't know if I'm excited about Lillard and McCollum 2.0, except for the fact that I've got Brandon Ingram, who's better than anything Portland had alongside of those two. Ingram's a 20 plus point player. Herb Jones is a great defender. Uh, do they still have Valanciunas too? The, or was that a trade uh, a year ago? I'm trying to think who has Valanciunas. Oh now. yeah, no, the, no, the he Pelicans. still has Valanciunas. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's a that's a big comparable to Nurkic when you had that port. Like right. everything seems like it's a slightly better version of it when you add it up to what Portland was doing, a team that made the Western Conference Finals. Now, in today's NBA, with the teams that are built, is it better than that? I don't know, but you get something real and good at a, the, the position you need for if you're New Orleans if you get rid of Zion. From Portland standpoint. You're in a rebuild mode anyway. Zion's in his early 20s. If you believe in the talent of Zion Williamson, he's going to be around 10 years plus. So he's on any timeline that you want in the future. And again, right. we talked about the, the the potential he has to still be a top five player in the league if he just stays on the floor, stops eating, stops getting hurt, <laughs> stops doing, doing other things, things that I can't talk about. <laughs> just be a basketball player for a decade. If he does that, and it's still a fairly big if, but if he will do that, he is an awesome player, awesome talent. He will be better than Damian Lillard. For sure. So it's a risk on both sides. Yeah. But it's a fat. It's an interesting risk. So Didn't, I wanted to pose that. Yeah. One. Didn't even think about Dame's contract. So I put this in the. It's NBA. a lot of money. I put this in the NBA trade machine. Uh-huh. I put that trade. You in. have to throw salary filler. You have yeah. to. Oh my god. have to be, I tried to throw just two players, and it was. It might be Valanciunas in there. Yeah. I mean, you might have to give yeah, that out I, or. I'm gonna throw Valanciunas in here as well. No, that didn't work either. I I literally just Dame for Valanciunas, Zion, and Kyra Lewis. Okay, didn't work. It's still, I mean, it's still ten million dollars off. Okay, so you'd have to throw in one more probably player or, sure. or t- 
cash, I guess. Well, but. I mean, look at the list. Did they have another $10 million player? That's not like Ingram and Herb Jones and the guys you'd want to hold on to. Oh, Larry Nance. Larry Nance. Okay, there you go. So that it's Nance, Lewis, and That and, works. And yep, that works. Right. <laughs> so that works. Kyra's young, but he really wasn't playing a lot. That's more of a throw-in. Yeah. God, Nance throw is in. the guy that would be in the rotation, but, yeah. you know, I mean, not, not he's expendable. Not old, so. not young, expendable. Valanciunas so, is... If that's my that's my dream fake trade. That was my dream fake trade. It's It works, and then, it, yeah, that works. So that we'll see about that. Works. Let's do one more draft thing. We'll take our... What's well, ultimately going to be our last break. We'll have a full segment afterwards, but... Let's move around the draft a little bit. So, four and five, that's where it starts to drop off. This feels like a three-player draft, and then there's a drop. <laughs> four is Houston. Five is Detroit, who just lottery ping-pong oh, balls. Man, not a fan of them if you're Detroit. so unlucky. So, this is a range where you've got Amon Thompson, uh, really both Thompson twins, Asir and Am- Amon. Yeah. Amon is the one that's projected higher. Yep. He's a and more offensive be player. You've got someone like Jairus Walker in there um, from Houston. Auburn fans remember him as the guy that kept blocking shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was the big guy he for Houston. He almost came to Auburn. Yep. You've got Anthony Black out of Arkansas. I don't think four or five are in question, but it starts no. six or seven, yeah, somewhere in there. For sure. Out of Arkansas. Black, not a great shooter. But, but they're tantalized scorer. by the fact that he's 6'6", and he's a really good passer, and, and he can, can operate yeah, in different he can, ways. He can handle that ball. Watch it in real time. <laughs> so Black's interesting. So of these prospects of these teams, again, Houston at 4, Detroit at 5, uh, Orlando's got 6 and 11, 7's uh, Indiana. Of all these teams in this range, what are you looking out for? What what interests you? Is, is there something you're convicted by uh, in these next uh, the 4 through 8 or 9 range? So... Just something that I've seen, just like you kind of mentioned in the, um, you know, in the in the odds and different things like that. Um, you know, with Scoot Henderson trending up to number two, it seems as though Amin Thompson is tra- tra- uh, trending up to number three, because oh, so you think Portland Portland wants might. Thompson more than Miller? Yeah, could, and then that would put. That would put the Rockets at four. I've just seen a lot of talk recent, you know, with that odds about Jabari and and Brandon ending up on the same team potentially. Oh, that would. Oh my gosh, that might be a. Is that, that would gonna, be a nightmare? Because we can't get Auburn and Alabama fans on no, the same side. No, like it's that, not that. Happen. Yeah, they'll. Yeah, yeah, they'll try to. It'd be like, oh, Miller's averaging <laughs> right. seventeen, Smith's fourteen, <laughs> right. huh? Oh, yeah. oh, it's gonna be bad. That'll that'll be rough. Um. But I think if I think if Miller falls to four, that the Rockets take him. Um, I I if you're it, Orlando, can I let me let me yeah, pose go, it, let go me ahead. go ahead. If you're Orlando and you're six and eleven, not six foot eleven, you have pick six and eleven. I don't know how that can sound. <laughs> you have pick six and eleven. Does Miller make any sense there? Because. Gosh, they are so forward heavy. heavy right. I mean, just already so forward heavy. They got to go guard because you're not sure if Suggs is going to stay healthy. Cole Anthony is, yeah, you know, he's he's good, not great, inconsistent. I I would, you know, I'd probably prefer Anthony Black to maybe both of them. Um, 
It's almost like Orlando could make the argument to trade down a spot or two. Yeah, I mean, Black you know, at seven or eight, right? And then they still have the opportunity to get another shooter. You just I don't saw... often have two lottery no, picks. Don't. I feel like something oh, should gosh, be going on with right. Orlando. I don't know what that thing is, and I don't know. There seems to be some hype around Cam Whitmore. I don't know much about him. This dude out of Villanova, um, you know, a small forward. Yeah, yeah. He's small still, forward, though, second I mean, best guy. Yeah, as you know, uh, he can shoot pretty well, shot 30%, 37% from three, 71% from th- the line. Good step-back shooter. Uh, he's a shot creator. So, you know, he, he, he can kind of do his own thing. And um, Villanova was pretty pretty solid, um, if I remember correctly, in the Big East. Um, no, they, they had actually a disappointing they, year this a year. disappointing yeah. year? I didn't watch really any of them because they were not, yeah. 500 or, or thereabouts most of the you're year. You're right, you're right. Oh, because this was the first Jay year Wright. without Jay yeah. Wright. Yeah, yeah you're good. right, you're right. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Again, I don't know much about Asar Thompson. I've heard, obviously, so much about Amen. Yeah. Um, uh, but, it, you know, it seems like Asar is a pretty solid defender, um, kind of almost, I would – they kind of almost put him in the same realm um, as Isaac, you know, more of a defender type of player than really a scorer, um, which is, you know, which has been pretty consistent. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll just see. I, I don't know. But there's a there's many names. Jairus Walker, I don't – I wonder – I do definitely wonder where he's going to go. Maybe the Pacers at seven. I, I could probably see that. Um because again, I don't think he's going to go to the Magic. I don't think he's going to go to the Pistons. Two forward-heavy teams. Um, I, I I don't think he's going to go as early as the Rockets. Um, maybe Washington. Uh, so it, it could it could. I mean, like you said, I mean this after three. It just. I mean, even yeah, yeah after I'm three. Su- I'm it's still truly surprised. A toss up. I I heard a whisper that, but you also mentioned it. More people, more makes it more real. I, I still think I still think Miller's three though. Like I, I can't I wouldn't do that if I I wouldn't right. go to Amen. I mean, I mean but they wanna but they because they, they would go if they go Brandon Miller, if they go Brandon Miller at three, then Dame is absolutely staying. There's no question with that. If they draft one of Scoot, uh, which obviously if this is assuming if Scoot is there at three, I think they take Scoot Henderson. I don't think that's much of a question. But if Brandon Miller's in there and they have a choice to potentially get Amon or Brandon Miller, I think it's a toss up because they they might you know if they go with that ball handler at, at, as Amon as a point guard, then there's a chance that they still might move. Damian Lillard. If they go with Brandon Miller, I think that really solidifies that, okay, they're trying to do something with Dame. I don't think it's going to work. I still don't think it's smart, but they're going to still try and rock out with Dame as as their lead star player and um, build, quote-unquote, a championship roster around him with all of these two, three, four-year guys. Should Orlando... And Nurkic. I'm still working on Orlando stuff because, again, I can't... Six <laughs> should you if you're Orlando should you trade up to four for Amon then? So if you need a guard and he's right. A guard. I mean you could. I know he's six right. six. Right, but you could. he averaged six assists a game. So so I I'm and, and so then there's the wonder of they could just go with Asar and be fine and say okay we still have belief in in what Jalen Suggs can do because he's a very quality player. I mean we know that he's pretty good. It's just he hasn't been healthy. So you know it's the wonder of if he's on the floor. What can he bring to the table? And uh, seeing a healthy Jalen Suggs, 
you know, that could definitely change things, you know, within the organization. There's that expectation. You could still go with Cam Whitmore as a wing and, and be fine, I think, um, because that three spot is, I mean, I would say it's necessarily, I would say it's a question mark, that three um, for, for Orlando. So you can bring in Cam Whitmore um, and, and kind of move on from there. And then at the 11th spot, uh, I read somewhere where they are interested in Grady Dick, um, which is a shooter. So. You know, they can't have that enough makes of those. sense at yeah. eleven, yeah. Yeah, can't have enough of those. So we're gonna go to our one and only break of hour number three. When we come back, final thoughts on the draft tonight, one or two other questions, and we'll get to the nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan the Boy, Cam Barry, and Brooks Childress with you here. That didn't come across here. Try that one more time. There we go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> delayed reaction time over here. Uh, just trying to consume everything going on in the NBA world today. Might not be done. Already had one gigantic trade. We will not get into the trades today. We might hit on them tomorrow when we do post-draft analysis because there might be another trade or two to talk about. Yeah. We're all kind of in agreement that there needs to be a Lillard trade probably tonight, but Please. we'll see. Please. So Just let's do it. move down the list with another draft item real quick. Uh, Atlanta at 15. I always want to try and give a shout-out to the Hawks. So the Hawks at 15 – Different mocks, bit depending on what's available. I think that Cam and I agree that Lively's the pick if he's there. Yeah. But now Lively's been gaining steam up into the lower teens instead of mid teens. So I've heard some talk, some rumbling of Atlanta trying to move to ten with Dallas. Yep. Uh, Dallas just wants another body. Like they're kind of married to this Kyrie and Luka dynamic, so they're trying to figure out how can we get some depth, how can we get some guys at other some positions. Size, yeah. So, and Atlanta has been trying to trade Collins and Capella really for like eighteen years. Yeah, especially so, John. So <sighs> poor guy. That makes some sense. I don't know what salary has to come back though from Dallas because again, 
trade rules are trade rules. And even though I tried to oversimplify it last segment with Zion and Lillard, like other pieces have to go. So it's right. even if you're Dallas, it's like, yes, you clearly would benefit if you had Collins or Capella, but like, okay, 20 or $25 million of salary have to go back to Atlanta. Even if yeah. it's a nothing, even if it's your worst salary, right. it's still got to go back to Atlanta. So that could complicate things. And it probably is if there's not a trade. Cause I know Dallas it just does not make much sense for them to want to pick 10th. I mean, just no. with what they're trying to do, they're on a win-now timeline with Kyrie. It does not make a lot of sense. So for Atlanta, though, at 15, Atlanta feels like they've got six, I don't know, maybe five, five, six players that are like B-minuses. Yeah. They're like, oh, I can score 13, or oh, I can shoot 38% from three, or oh, I play pretty good defense. But they're still kind of lacking like a tiered system. Like after Young, who's clearly one, and in my opinion, Murray is clearly two. It feels like it just there's a bunch of people that just kind of all in a pod of like trying to figure out like is Bogdanovich yeah. up here? Where's Collins? Can I get some DeAndre Hunter? Gosh, you know, man. wait, Griffin looked kind of cool. Like there's like there's just oh, this hodgepodge. Oh yeah, Kongwu. Yeah. It's like five or six guys that I don't know how to rank them. Maybe you have a particular ranking, but I don't have one. So with that in mind, I don't know. Is there is there something bigger Atlanta needs to be doing right now other than just picking 15 or trying to posture for a guy? Or should they still try to keep letting everybody kind of play out and see if they can, after another year, they can kind of sort through like three, three through seven? So half of me wants to keep this roster as it is and see what happens under under uh Quinn Snyder with a full off season excuse me ah I believe in you see what happens um you know with Quinn, Quinn Snyder see if he's you know able to create something drum something up you know even I I don't dislike Clint Capella I don't need him off my roster you know but I firmly believe Onyeka Kongu should be starting. That's how I feel. I'm also a fan of John Collins. I would love for him to stay on this team. It just seems inevitable that he's going to get traded. It, it just it's been like three seasons, off seasons in a row now where he is in trade rumors. I just don't see. I just don't see how at this point he's going to stay. I love the guy. I think he's the. I think he's the heart and soul of the team. I I I do. I'm a true believer and lover of John Collins. I think. Actually, Clint Capella has stifled his scoring um, just because of the spacing and how how John operates in the paint and different things like that. I think, you know, his three-point percentage could have been better, but there were times where he was really burning. And I think in a Quinn Snyder offense, he'll be perfectly fine from three. I think he'll get back to that because, I mean, he was a regular 20-10 and 10 guy. You know, he was a consistent 20-10 and 10 guy, and I just – you know, I just wish he could get back to that form. I think the addition of Clint Capella really stifled that. Um, and I, I think that the movement of Clint, even moving to the second unit, would work, would do wonders for John. That being said, I think I'm, I'm fine with just moving Clint off the roster. I just, I put this trade in the trade, uh, in the, uh, in the trade machine. Um, literally, if you just trade Clint Capella for David Bertans. 
you know, move Bertans okay. to the bench, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know if they'd even yeah, play or, Bertans, or but even keep him because there's I mean, a salary st- filler. Yeah, there's a salary that. filler. Um, you still have DeAndre Hunter, who I still think has some potential really to be a little bit more unlocked. Um, his he hinged a lot on defense and you know sometimes his defense is a little bit more lackluster but he is a a good solid big wing um and you just don't find many of those with his tools like the the tools that deandre hunter has i know he's a fourth overall pick it's just with that um you know that that creates some expectations with how high he went in the draft but he's a really solid player um i i'd like to see um jalen johnson get significantly more minutes that's where things are really going to have to start fitting is is giving um giving jalen johnson more minutes because he's really like a a, he's a swiss army knife man that dude is is tough if he can get his shooting right that that's that's really a key to an to what the hawks could really be doing with quinn snyder and everything quinn snyder really liked that uh really liked what jalen brought to the table he got significantly more minutes uh aj griffin you know, a great shooter, uh, lengthy, solid defender as well. So, I mean, you're right. There's just a bunch of B-plus, B-minus players on the team. You know, I, I'm not sure if they're going to run it back with even with even Jante. Like, he could end up getting traded, which is unfortunate because the Hawks gave up three first-round picks for him. Yeah. Um, but if you can get a significant return, then maybe it'll end up working out. Um I do think they're going to try to revamp this entire roster. I mean, I told you, like, all four, outside of Trey Young, that entire starting five seems to be on the trade block. Um, I don't know if they all end up getting traded to uh, to completely reshake the roster, but they do want to give some minutes to these young guys. It seems like Bogdanovich is locked in. I think he's going to stay because, I, I mean, you just don't – he's a shooter. You just you, – you don't get rid of your shooters. You already got rid of Kevin Herter, you know, last year to the Kings and – to to kind of get it below the salary cap so i don't think getting losing bogdanovich you got to keep aj griffin those are really your two pure shooters in my opinion that are still on the roster trey is obviously trey shot creator dude does what he does he's but he's not the shooter that i'm talking about um so i i don't know it, it's a lot to consider Onyeka also needs more minutes so it, it's a lot it's the the hawks have a lot they have to figure out sadiq bay they traded for sadiq bay for um last at the trade deadline and he's been a, a significant addition uh, another great shooter a, a third shooter right there that's really your third shooter so um i i wonder what they're gonna do there's just so much flying around when it comes to the hawks even i just i don't know i don't know where they're gonna go i i do think they're gonna try and move up to that 10 spot because i do think they really want Derek lively uh, because he does stretch the floor, um, it seems it seems like he does know he does stretch the floor. He has that three, um, and he can shoot pretty well, um, more than better than a lot of people expected. It seems like, especially when he was going through his workouts and stuff, people didn't seem to know that he had much of a three point shot. But he's had that in his arsenal. It seems it's just that Duke it just wasn't used. Um, so it, it's it's going to be a lot. I don't know. I might be sad tomorrow. We'll see. I might. No, you're optimistic. You'll find a way. Unless they're just like, what if we trade Trey Young? You're going to be fine tomorrow. I believe in you. You'll be all right. I'm going to be. I'm really. If we if we part with the only player, I'll truly truly be sad about is John Collins because I I he's the man has really like 
rode it from the bottom when the team was really bad yeah. and was with it. it was just a veteran leader he's a good dude uh i love everything about john collins so i i think he's he would be the one that i would be the most sad like that if the hawks parted with him um that would, while, that, hard would, to yeah, depart from that, would re- that would really hurt hurt me but other than that, we'll see what the Hawks do. I, I do think that a trade-up is, in, is inevitable. Uh, I think Clint Capella would be the ideal player to move um, because I think he just opens – I think the get, moving Clint Capella opens up the floor for everybody. I think then, you know, if it continues to not work with John Collins, then you just trade John Collins at the deadline halfway through the season. I think that's kind of the move that they're going to lean towards, letting, letting Onyeka being the starter. If you draft Derek Lively, if you can get him at 10 – then I think I think that's the most significant move the Hawks are going to make as of right now. Down to just a couple minutes left in the show. Nightly TV Guide coming up in just a few seconds. Want to briefly in about 90 seconds hit on a couple other storylines in the draft. Denver Nuggets traded to 29, so the reigning champs have now a couple picks in the draft, one at the end of the first round, one early in the second round. Be interested to see uh, what they do there. One mock had them, uh, Jamie Yaquez from – uh, UCLA, a more veteran player. That's usually what teams that are contending try to do. They don't go for the upside picks as often. Contending teams usually like to find somebody that might be in the rotation from them right away. Uh, that We did see Christian Brown be in the rotation uh, for, for Denver this year. Had one good game in the finals. For the most part, not huge and incredibly relevant in the postseason, but, but did, uh, did play minutes throughout. Uh, also want to see what the Lakers do. Of course, they were eliminated in the conference finals. They have a couple draft picks tonight. They made a trade up into the early second round. They do have a first-round pick, which has been rare for them. They've not had many picks the last few years after the Anthony Davis trade. There's still a couple more, I think, that they owe in the future. Uh, so see what the Lakers do. Uh, and then also with second-round guys, I'm always fascinated. Usually there's one. There's still usually yeah. one second-round guy yeah. at least that ends up factoring in. Again, ask the Denver Nuggets. Um, ask a lot of teams that have ended up winning uh, because of that. So some second-round guys, you know, I, I look at um, there could be uh, an Arkansas guy or two like Ricky Council, Nick Smith yeah. could yeah. go early second round. That would be interesting. Um, I think about Nick Skeon- Smith is considered the 14th best player in this draft. Right. So if he fell early second round, that'd be interesting. <laughs> My gosh, uh, that's Keon- a steal. Keontae Johnson, who's probably going to go in the second round yeah. from K State, yeah, uh, interests me a little bit. Uh, and there, uh, there's some other guys too yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, Casey um, Wallace, Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, good, real good shooter, real good defender. Um, he's been he's been pretty popular. It seems like. Um, to go in those mid-teams. Uh, Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin as well. Those two guys seem to be pretty popular. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting gra- – I wonder where Noah Clowney's going to go. Um, yeah, Clowney's in like he, that 18, yeah, 20 yeah. range, 25 range. Yeah, it's like. he, he's, uh, he could be really good. He's got the tools to be a really solid NBA player. Um, so I, I, I definitely wonder. It's, it's going to be a fun draft. I, I think there's going to be – some surprises. I do. I think this is one of those drafts where we're going to be like, what? Uh, Outside of that top three, yeah, we, top two, top top three. Yeah. We will see. Time for a nightly TV guy to get out of here. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. 
Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Well, I'll tell you what we got. Not a lot of sports, so here's some movies for you tonight. Starting at 6 o'clock on Freeform, Adam Sandler, All His Best Buddies, and the sequel to Grown Ups is Grown Ups 2. So if you are looking for some fun, lighthearted comedy, there it is. 6 o'clock, Freeform. 7 o'clock on FX, you're looking for your Marvel fix for the evening. Thor is on. And then at 8 o'clock on AMC, you want some more suspense, action, unstoppable. Denzel Washington is a train uh, train engineer chasing another train that is running away from him. Uh, that's my synopsis. It's hard of it. to stop. It is. It's almost unstoppable. <laughs> almost, I say. And then sports for you tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It's a winner-take-all game in the College World Series with LSU taking a Wake Forest. Winner of this one takes on Florida in the College World Series Championship Series. And then 7 o'clock on ESPN and ABC, what we've been talking about for the last hour and a half. It's the NBA draft. Victor Wimanyama, will he go number one? Probably 99.999% sure he's going to. But who will go second? That's who you should tune in to watch. <laughs> and that is, like I said, 7 o'clock on ESPN tonight, as well as ABC. And that is your Nightly TV Guide, brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And uh, thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow. See you then. And Cam, thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow yes, as well. Glad to be here. And that will do it for the show today. Really looking forward to the NBA draft tonight. Of course, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in throughout today's show. For Brooks Childress and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk again tomorrow.